y'all. You ready to hit up a Bojangles for a biscuit? Well, if that's the case, you should be excited for another edition of our Road Trip Spectacular. This time, we're heading to the deep south states of North and South Carolina, as well as Georgia. Technically, Florida counts, but that state needs its own damn show. Taking this journey to Myrtle Beach with me are three of my favorite people. From the Day Job Studios in Brighton, Massachusetts, it's Ricky Bobby Pape. Hi, Bobby. Um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Hello, Hillary. Is that you? <laughs> it's me. Uh, in the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne, the mastermind line home. Hi, Anne. I was not prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and finally, from the Girl Scout Central in Linwood, Washington, it's the very nice lady, Christy Wise. Hi, Christy. Hello. <laughs> As usual, we'll do some small talk, some medium talk, T-She recommends, Amazon plug of the week, housekeeping, and how you can get involved. And with that, Ricky Bobby, take us into the small talk. Okay, I'm done. I can't do that. I was going to say, I don't know if I can (laughs) go this whole show talking like that. Um, I'm just waiting for you to offer me a Coke if I'm thirsty. Right? (laughs) You want a Coke if you're thirsty? Yeah, I'll lean into that all day long. (laughs) We have some cornbread? Somewhere? <laughs> Get the cornbread! Where? Where is uh, uh, Blaine uh, waiting for Guffman? We just have to put a pin in that for whenever we Missouri. get there. It's in Missouri. It's in Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. The Blaine Missouri still home of the stool boom. boom. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Southern Twang Hillary, <laughs> for. I was us. the president of the Thespians Club. I practice my accents. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm really bad at it. <laughs> All right, small talk. We got a, a, a robust <laughs> list of small talk for this episode. Uh, uh, starting with Christie's bathroom. Oh, <laughs> yep, it's complete. Yay! Woo! I had to. I cut it short. I told them they didn't have to install the towel bar or the toilet paper roll because I just needed them out of my house. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're like, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah, we're fine. Just leave. Um, They did complete on, what was it, last Friday, and then we discovered you couldn't open the shower door. It's glass sliding door. Um, Water (laughs) leaked onto the floor. They scratched up the paint. And they had tiled over the heat register. Um, so, so we made them come back out. and It's just you have a heated bathroom floor, but just in that one yeah. spot. Well, and I was like, you know what? I do not want them to come back. And so I was Googling, like, can you tile over a heat? And apparently it's a fire hazard. So I'm like, God damn it. They have to come out. Um, and then they left a giant pile of garbage for three days. And I just kept thinking... The this guy does a lot of the like richer Edmonds um, remodels, and I was thinking he doesn't do this. He does not leave a pile of garbage in front of an Edmonds house. We know that's true. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. So we kept calling until he finally came out, and then he was like, "Oh, I need a check, and I need it now." <laughs> so um, I reluctantly paid him, mm. and uh, now I'm fighting insurance. We have the third claim adjuster. Um, since this happened in December and every time we get a new assigned one, I have to retell the story and send pictures. It's like they didn't relive your trauma yeah. like over and over again. <laughs> um, so now 
everything's finished except for um, we're getting like built-in closets put in. Not the fancy ones. Like that sounds like really fancy, like California closets. It's not that. It's container store um, closets put in this week. And then also they cut out the padding of the carpet in a bunch of places. And so it's just like flat on the on the ground. So a company is coming in to replace the padding and stretch the carpet. And but you saved the carpet itself? Yes. Okay. I want new carpet, but I it didn't come with it. So I'm not doing it at this point. Um, and one thing that is um, another thing about insurance being a scam is that before anything even got complete on the house, just when we filed the claim, our insurance went up $800 a, a year. Jesus. <laughs> God. Uh, everything is a scam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so you're close to the finish line. Yes. Can't wait. I, yeah. I actually like I wouldn't actually even shower until it was complete. Oh, and also when they dug out the heater. Is that like a, a form of protest? Like some I people go on to... hunger strikes and you're just refusing to bathe until it's done? No, well, we have other bathrooms, but I just wanted it to be all new and finished. Right. Yep. And, um, and also they left a huge mess in the bathroom because like, they dug out that thing. And so there was like um, dust everywhere. So I, clean, I cleaned the entire bathroom and then t- took a shower finally. It was, it was glorious. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <sighs> Yay. Well... Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, home ownership. Yeah. <laughs> home, home ownership is a scam. Yes. <laughs> True. Uh, yeah. uh, at least not everything has been terrible there, though, because you've also been undertaking some really impressive and thoughtful and really necessary science for the for the sake of the world uh, at the house, haven't you? Oh, yes. Uh, you're talking about the Girl Scout cookie taste off? Should uh, yeah. Meredith and I just like give you your lady scientist badge now? I, or? I think that I deserve it. I mean, <laughs> then I can wear the shirt that we haven't made yet. Yes. I mean, this kind of in-depth, hands-on research really deserves some recognition. Yeah. I wish we had a bigger um, case te- because we have Jeremy who likes everything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times he'd be like, I don't taste a difference. Um, Elliot is a kid, so doesn't doesn't really know what's good. Mm-hmm. You're um, the arbiter of taste. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jer- Jeremy's taste is suspect, yes, I would yes. say. And, and we're very, um, we try to be inclusive here and you like what you like. But I think Jeremy's just blown his taste buds out with all the yes. weird stuff he eats and drinks mm-hmm. 100% the only thing he will not eat is goat cheese he will <laughs> eat anything else but he once got like food poisoning from and the last thing he ate was goat cheese so he's like nope oh on okay that. yep mm-hmm. I've even sure. tried to sneak it um so I hope he doesn't listen to this but I've like sn- snuck it into things like he doesn't actually know but he's like oh goat cheese right away so <laughs> Knowing Jeremy, okay. he's going to listen to this three months from now. And then I know. Get... I'd be like, when was that? <laughs> the man has burned his taste buds off with off-brand gas station energy drinks. How could he even know if it's goat cheese? Uh, exactly. Exactly. He knows. <laughs> he knows. 
Um, okay, so I'll do a quick rundown. There's two different bakeries. I guess this was, I've known this for a while, but maybe is that because I'm in the cookie world? I don't know. Um, no, so I, there's, I know it. You know, yeah. know it? Okay. Because yeah. I was posting and people are like, wait, what? There's two? Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and these are like Girl Scout moms that, that didn't know it too. I think not everybody follows their cookies as closely as well, we do. This is a, yeah, that's this true. Is a yeah. you know, a core topic for us. Right. And the idea that my fave Samoas are called caramel delights in other yeah. parts of the world mm-hmm. is really confusing to me. I so agree. I had to learn about it. Yeah. This is like a Hellman's best food thing, mm-hmm. except that the bakeries the the geography doesn't seem as as even as I thought it once it's was. So strange, and I looked up a map, but it was a couple years old, and people were saying, "No, that's not true anymore," because I have this. So there's two different bakeries: the ABC Bakery and the Little Brownie Bakery, which is a cuter name. Let's just be honest. <laughs> and um, more people have Little Brownie Bakery, and that that's the one that does the Samoas and Tagalongs and. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the ABC, and that seems to be more in the South, but it's weird because some parts of Texas have ABC and the others have Little Brown. brown I bakery. think we have Little Brown because I've never really heard of, I mean, I've heard of a Caramel Delight, but like not that's not something that rolls off my tongue. Yeah. Or something I think about. Um, so someone, I believe a couple people, there's one in a Who Weekly post and also in the Stens page, posted, hey, my kid... Um, has cookies and it was like highlighted that it was the ABC because they seem to be harder to get. So I said, yes, please, because they have this very strange cookie called the Toastiers. It's a cookie that's, oh gosh, I guess it's, it's round or I mean, it would be the size of like a normal cookie. A lot of the Girl Scout cookies are smaller, Mm -hmm. like more like the size of an Oreo, but this is a bigger one and it's shaped like a piece of toast Oh. And it tastes like those Biscoff cookies with a thin layer of frosting. And they're delicious. How do you I spell it? Toast. Toast. E-A? Hyphen. Uh-huh. Y-A-Y. Oh, toast. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just French. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I was like, it was wow, toast- that's, that's toastier. really fancy for Girl Scouts. Oh, a new French toast cookie. I see. Yes, it, oh. it does taste like French toast. It's very delicious. I got four packs of them. So that was my original order is I'm, I just need to try these toastiers. And then I noticed that there's lots of different differences. So I got one of each to try. They have a different s'more. So the s'mores that we have are like a sandwich cookie and they're absolute trash. And the ones that ABC have are a gram, which make more sense, a graham cracker dipped in chocolate and like a thin layer of, I guess what's supposed to be marshmallow, but it's more like a vanilla. So that was our first taste test in the dipped chocolate one because it's not a sandwich nasty mm-hmm. cookie. Okay, so you're you're pitting the two bakeries against yes. one another. This is yes. a, a Coke versus Pepsi <laughs> yes. kind of challenge. I see. Yes, yes. And so hands down the chocolate dipped one won. Um, the second is the lemon, the lemon cookies. We have something called, um, oh gosh, what are they called? Lemon ups. And those are new from last year. They're a really round cookie with inspirational sayings like I'm creative. I'm a leader. (laughs) 
and it tastes like lemon pledge. Um, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that is a problem with fake. I'm disinfected. Lemon it's flavor. I never so could get bad. behind the diet coke with lemon because that Mm-mm. tasted mm-hmm. like it had pledge in it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I I think that diet coke with actual squeezed lemon might taste good. Yeah. But that fake lemon, mm-hmm. yeah. it's hard. Yeah. It's a really hard yep. flavor. So it's it smells good. If you want your floor clean, like it's it's just not <laughs> great. And then the ones that that the other the ABC has are called lemonades, and they're small. They look like a slice of of um, lemon, and they are so delicious. I put I let everyone have one, and then I put it into my locked snack box <laughs> because I only bought one. Because usually I I don't really like lemon flavored things because of that fake fake taste so i only got one because i'm like i'm not gonna like this it's basically theirs is like a shortbread with a very light lemon um frosting so that that was amazing that definitely won but the lemon ups have i am a leader stamped on them <laughs> exactly so i don't i i need that inspiration so maybe the lemonades could put inspirational oh things. there's different sayings i yeah. am strong I am a risk yeah. taker. I mm-hmm. am gutsy. Wow. We should have just done like the help. It's like you is kind. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's what it's like. Um, so the next was the uh, caramel delights versus the Samoas. I personally liked the caramel delights because the cookie was vanilla flavored and the chocolate was very light and it was more, um, vanilla caramely flavored and the cookie was crisper whereas the samoa is very chocolate heavy mm-hmm. chewy chewier which yep. some people like i'm not saying that it was disgust neither one were disgusting but because i don't like chocolate that much i i cited on the caramel delights but they are very very different it's so weird because it's mostly the same ingredients but they're so different interesting, interesting. i yeah. always thought it was sort of pretty cosmetic or minor differences but the way you're describing it it seems like quite different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very like texture, flavor, everything was very different. Um, the next was the, I called it the peanut butter cookie showdown, uh, which is the peanut butter patties, which is a really dumb name versus the tagalongs. Um, the, I mean, you, if you look on my Instagram, you can see the picture. The chocolate just looks old and gross on the peppermint or the peanut butter patties. The peanut butter is chalky, almost like a really bad Ugh. texture. Well, that's a storage problem. That chocolate's it, bloomed. Yeah, where the the tagalongs it's like creamy and the cookie is really crisp. There's way more peanut butter um, than in the other one. Was just like kind of a hint, so that one didn't even go. Um, the this was the worst one was the shortbread. So I don't even know how to say the ones we have trefoils trefoils mm-hmm. and just shortbread the shortbread tastes like really old animal crackers like really <laughs> bad ones and the trefoils are like buttery and crispy and have kind of like a crunch from sugar they are so, my favorite from your bakery from so the bakery you have good, yours right? from yeah. yeah i ordered i currently have just six boxes that don't have a home <laughs> except for into my mouth um it's not a perfectly then, reasonable home yeah <laughs> And last were the Thin Mints. And you would think, I mean, okay, so one thing is the ABC Bakery 
in the ingredients, no mint is listed. So that was Whoa. a little troublesome. <laughs> a little suspect. <laughs> um, and there, I mean, everyone's had a thin mint, right? Yeah. So the ones here, I like them kind of. I mean, they're always good, especially out of the freezer, unless yeah. you grind it up into your drink, which you shouldn't do. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they're just like light and crisp and mint, a little um, mint and a little chocolate. And the ones from the other bakery... Even though they had no mint, it was way too much mint. It was like you just put a piece oh. of gum in your mouth. Or toothpaste. Ooh. Yeah, like t- chocolate-covered toothpaste. It And the, I don't know what the, f- f- what is a first, not aftertaste, but before taste? Like, <laughs> when you take the first bite, it tasted like perfume Ooh. somehow. And the cookie wasn't as crisp. So, huh. The Toastiers put a put Little Barony Baker, Bakery under because, you know, we don't have a fun thing like that. But other than that, the main standards, definitely Little well, Barony Bakery I, one. I I think I need a batch from ABC. Now, I, I'm looking at a blog post of, from last September that has this map that may or may not be accurate. Mm-hmm. But I'm now wondering, no wonder as a child... I was confused that sometimes I would like them and sometimes I wouldn't because Rochester's right on a dividing line between oh, okay. the continental divide. Of- yeah, there's ABC. So Buffalo and Boston both have ABC bakers, but everything in between those two cities is little brownie bakers. It's so weird, right? So the council gets to weird. pick. I mean, the negotiation sessions that must have gone on with that. Send those people in to, like, renegotiate the Iran deal. Right? It's, like, gerrymandered. Like, they're, like... Yeah. These districts are weird shapes. Um, Bobby, there is a... I'll, I'll look, but there is a link somewhere on the Sense page to um, find the, the ABC yeah. bakery. And you can just order and have them shipped. Well, and if we have any listeners who uh, have uh, Girl Scouts in the family or, or, you know, whatever with an ABC, I'm always happy mm-hmm. to give the credit to someone we know. I mean, I I, I buy a, one of every flavor from from Ellie, not just because I want to s- eat cookies, <laughs> but because I'm happy to support Ellie's endeavors as a Girl Scout. So, uh, you know, uh, let's keep it in the family if we can. If there's a T-shirt out there, let us know. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think of... Um... I like Girl Scout cookies fine. What I really do love, and this is so from my dad, is that I think of a Thin Mint as like an aperitif. Like, it's like, I just want something a little bit sweet after dinner. You know, like, I don't want a whole, like, uh, I just want like a crisp little chocolatey minty thing. And that Mm -hmm. it it is very, especially obviously out of the freezer, it is very satisfying. That's like uh, when you get the check at a restaurant. You know, back when we could dine in at restaurants. <laughs> little Andy's mint. Exactly. There's a little Andy's candy slipped in there. Mm-hmm. I'm always the kid that's like, are you going to eat yours? <laughs> I'll oh, take it. Oh, man. I am so traumatized about Andy's mints. This is Me sad, too. but it was from the period of my life when I was absolutely hardcore dieting. Yes. Yeah, and so. we went to the Olive Garden for my mom's birthday because she just decided she'd like some soup salad and breadsticks. And well, so, it was like, a special occasion. Does, yeah, <laughs> I right. I was basically no carbing it. So I'm like, of uh, course, worst the, place. I mean, I was so healthy, you guys. It was unbelievable. No sugar, no flour, no grains. I'm so sorry. I know because yeah. I wanted to be thin, and look where yeah. that got me. But so I was like, okay, no breadsticks, obviously. Oh, and so I good. ordered minestrone soup and picked the pasta out oh, and had salad and picked the 
croutons out. Yeah, and someone oh. worked so hard opening that bag of soup. I and know. They almost ruined their work. <laughs> and then the Andy's mints came with the check, and I ate my Andy's mint, and I felt like I failed. Oh. I beat myself up for the whole rest of the day like you idiot you have so little self-control that you couldn't oh, just God. leave that on the plate so oh, now every time i see an andy's mint i'm like oh i'm a failure <laughs> no oh, God. i get one sleeve every christmas and then pick at them until about february and then throw out the last few that are lingering <laughs> and left at that point they're best in the freezer i i um when i worked at olive garden i'm also triggered by them because at olive garden <laughs> you couldn't really eat like you didn't get free food but the andy's mints were up at like the front well it's not like they're inventorying them oh right yeah there were just like a giant bowl of them and so we would sneak them all day and yeah i I like them them. they have andy's mint chips for baking now which is i mean they're not in chip form they're basically just the mints chunked up yeah Yeah. i've used those Mm. i like that uh, on to more small talk, just because uh, Andy's Candies wasn't on the list, but this is. Uh, it wouldn't be uh, this show as everything if we didn't cover the Golden Globes. I feel like we need the uh, the midi, na-na-na-na-na-na, like the Entertainment Tonight song now. Uh, so those of you who give a, a shit about the Golden Globes, please. Well, okay. So really what I'm going to say is the Golden Globes don't matter. I along with Christy, like uh, we love award shows. Like I love them. And even I'll take like a freaking zoom one. That's fine. But like the golden globes matter and they don't matter. And, but this year was like sort of an explanation of why both that like can exist at the same time, because these awards don't matter. If the Hollywood foreign press is like 80 people, as they have shown, there are like no people of color or I don't know if it's people. They're all definitely old. No, they're all old. They're, um, they're basically like they apparently they were sent to the 80 of them were sent to like Paris at some point to like view the filming of Emily in Paris, which is a, such a trash show that of course I watch every <laughs> single episode of, but um, you know, we're, we're, you know, basically bribed to nominate it. Um, the reason why they matter. And I don't mean like the awards mean nothing. It's not, well, awards are meaningless, but they don't really mean anything because it's not this wide voting group it's not a union that's voting on themselves but um what what the frustrating thing and this is you know why like diversity matters and why inclusion matters is because people see this stuff and they're like oh well i guess that's the good show or like that's the good you know and they get more money people get money to you know make films and tv from this because they get attention and so it's this kind of circular thing these awards don't matter except that they're like doing damage to by nominating bullshit things they're prepping for season two of emily in paris right (laughs) yeah yeah they are (laughs) now i will say the winners this year i mean i don't know if they were who knows you know who it's price cooper waterhouse or whatever is the one that are tabulating but um they they're you know, there were some good winners and there were some like diverse, like Chloe Zhao won for Nomadland, which I have not seen. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, there like there were some like decent winners that won, but it just is such a stupid show. And, you know, I love Tina and Amy as much as the next person, but it just is very disjointed when you have people on different coasts and, you know, there's like a weird non-audience audience and people are on Zoom. And I... My whole life, I have hated 
Like if you're watching Good Morning America or watching the news and they're like, we're going to go to this person via satellite. It stresses me out so much because the technical <laughs> difficulties are like all that's always bad. It's like NPR on election day where you're like, they don't know how to do this live. Like this is so bad and I want to like crawl under like my desk. I'm so stressed out. This is like an award show full of that because of course, Daniel Kaluuya won the very first um, award and his fucking zoom wasn't working and i'm like i hate this so much i hate this so much did anybody go to- uh daniel i think you're on mute <laughs> no they said we're having they watched him kind of just telling his speech uh for way too long and then she goes huh well looks like we're having technical difficulties and then all of a sudden his thing came back and he's like you did me dirty you did me dirty and then like he got to do his speech um so basically what would happen is they'd have the nominees and they'd all get to be talking like in like kind of a, like a breakout bunch room. Yeah. yeah, it was like a breakout room, right? And then yeah. they'd mute all of them and unmute the winner, which you know, fine. But I don't think they got that down for the first one. <laughs> no, and I do feel for the production people. Like I can't imagine what a awful job that would be. I mean, yeah. it's hard enough live with a bunch of people there, but just having to kind of deal with everybody's Zoom connection and all that shit. Um, Anyway, it was a stupid show. I still love award shows, but it was very dumb. And I mean, what's the point if you can't watch the celebrities getting drunk together? That, exactly. That, that is, is the, the whole, whole point of exactly. the Golden Globes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. what's his name? Ted Lasso was oh, very stoned out of his mind. <laughs> oh, I still man. need to see that show. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's good. I know. Um, but yes, he was extremely high. He was wearing a sweatshirt that is not unlike the sweatshirt that I am currently wearing. Right. Like and everyone tie-dye. else was like wearing <laughs> tuxes. And, but... Um, one two things why it doesn't matter they broke their own rules about foreign language films like it's a foreign press and they nominated a english speaking with a tiny bit of korean um movie as a foreign language film which is ridiculous and then the worst part i was like literally hiding under blankets and thought i couldn't go on was when um catherine o'hare won and whoever was sitting next to her decided to play music on his phone and like, like it was like I, a little bit and it was, but it didn't, it didn't work. And, and he kept was, doing it. And she was like, are you joking? Like, <laughs> it was so weird. Like, is that her husband? Is, I have no I idea. It was very uh, weird. And I'm I couldn't like hear like, her uh, like part no. of it. I'm like, what's happening right now? It was really, <laughs> hopefully with the Academy Awards, they'll get know, it they'll together or something. Cause actually the Emmys weren't that bad. Like they did a pretty good job with the Emmys. Yeah. This just, this just didn't, this no. didn't, this did not fly. So yeah. The Golden Globes are dumb. I think that they pay NBC like an exorbitant amount of money uh, to air them. So I was listening and it was like, well, maybe, you know, the SAG Awards will become, now that this has been exposed by the LA Times, the corruption, maybe there will be another precursor award show that will become more important. But yes, I think it's like, we want to see everybody drinking um, and getting wasted. So anyway, dumb, dumb show, but. Whatever, I'll still, I still contribute to that. Yeah, and the Oscar <laughs> nominations come in, what, a week? <laughs> yeah, I think so. We're still mm. waiting. I know. Well, I'll let you all plan an Oscar special and I'll take that week <laughs> off. And we, we need to do the um, our thread again. Yes, that was really fun. Yeah. It is really fun. For sure. I think we're on to me now. I've got yes. a couple of different things for Small Talk this week. The first is um, simple. Uh, and yet ever so important, which is that I got my first dose of vaccine yesterday. Woo-woo! Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So I've got an armful of Pfizer and my 5G reception's never been better. <laughs> um, 
it was um, it was a, a smooth system. I had I drove out to Worcester, so I drove about an hour out, but I felt less Worcester. bad about taking that Worcester appointment because uh, it's really not accessible by most public transit. So I figured at least I wasn't taking an appointment from someone who like couldn't get somewhere. Either. Like I didn't go to the Fenway Park or yeah. or whatever. So uh, yeah, appointments opened up and. Um, you know, I don't spend every day thinking about how I had heart surgery in high school, but uh, uh, when it counts as a comorbidity, <laughs> you'll take it. To, yeah, exactly. I figured I'd go ahead and take advantage of that. So uh, I feel good. I, I don't feel like crap at all yet today. Um, maybe I will later. That's usually when it kicks in. I know the second shot's worse, so we'll see how I feel in a few weeks. But uh, I'm uh, just so glad that things are happening on yeah. that front. That's all. So. Uh, Another step. I don't. I, I only bring it up because I think it's important that we all talk about it a little bit. I I don't think there's probably anyone listening to our podcast who isn't pro science. So, I, I don't know if there's anyone out there who needs to be persuaded. But I got the shot and it didn't kill me. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm an advocate for everybody else uh, doing the same. So uh, there you go. And, and we are one step closer. To Meredith's bachelorette party. <laughs> Hell yeah! That's right. I actually was thinking about that, and I was like, "Man, I really should like fake plan something." It's like <laughs> penis straws galore. Yes. <laughs> oh, she would be miserable. Yep. This would be like how my my brother in law took me for a quote unquote. We didn't have a bachelor party, but he and another friend of ours, we all went out drinking for my in lieu of a bachelor party, and. Um, I, I just got so drunk early on in the night because I knew that I really wanted nothing to do with this. And we started out at a, a little Irish bar that was great. And I had several whiskeys and I was very happy. And I could have just that, done that all night and I would have been really happy. But they insisted that we go hit the town a little bit. So we ended up at Howl at the Moon, which is like one of those oh, yes, piano I bars. Oh, yes, yes. And they started feeding me really gross, sugary, like <laughs> jello shoddy type drinks. And at one point, this, um, you know, scantily clad server comes over to us with a folding chair and she's going to feed me a like syringe shot of some sort of gooey, jello-y thing. Thank you. She brings the chair and I immediately just sit in it. And she's like, no, no, no. She's going to stand on it. I was like, nope, I'm sitting. I'm done. And that was just about the end of the night for me at that point. Yeah, you're like, and I'm done. What I'm saying is I'd like to pay it forward to Meredith. (laughs) I know she'll appreciate it. Uh, and speaking of Meredith, I have a Pillow Talk update. I tried to come up with a good Pillow Talk <laughs> sequel. <laughs> I couldn't come up with a, a movie that, that they had been in that was worth doing that. But yeah, The, the Empire Strikes Out Back Pain. Um, I I've found a pillow combination that has been really great. We had so many great suggestions from listeners, but a lot of them were really expensive and I am cheap, generally speaking. And then Meredith was like, why don't you just get the like super baseline Ikea pillow? And she sent me one. It's the lap tattle. I don't know. There's a little O over the A. Um, L-A-P-P-T-A with the thing T-E-L. And so I I went to Ikea a couple of weeks ago and I picked up two of those. They were a whopping $2.49 each. Oof! Can you afford that? Two of them? And I got to say that those two pillows less than a, a meatball lunch. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, which we did not do because the dining room was not open while we were there um four dollars and 98 cents later and uh i'm perfectly happy with my pillow situation it's not great like i don't lay back into it and i think oh my head is so comfortable but i wake up and i don't think oh my god my neck hurts mm. well that's the important thing 
Exactly. So I don't know if it's a forever solution. I don't know how long this is going to last, but for the time being, Meredith nailed it with a $2.49 pillow. So uh, thanks to her, who's not here this week, because later on in this episode, there's going to be passing mentions to jazz music. <laughs> she said, I'm out of here. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm quite pleased uh, on that. And finally, in small talk, I'm not sure if I should throw this to Anne or to Hillary. Anne, Anne. needs to know. <laughs> to Anne. <laughs> Anne needs to know, Livington Sisters edition. Uh, we had a comment on a show post <laughs> last week where Hillary detailed her uh, adventure. Yeah. A traumatic experience, <laughs> getting stuck with her sister in Nashville, and then her trip home, and then living without water, and occasionally some power. And your sister, um, Kristen, left a comment on that Facebook post that I would like some explanation for. Okay. Kristen said, Hillary left out a small portion of the hilarity known as the Livingston Sisters on Sunday evening after flights had been canceled, but before the weather really arrived in Nashville, we ordered food from a delivery service. I will let Hillary finish the story from there. We almost adopted a new family member. Uh, please. Explain, please. <laughs> please. Please remember before you continue not to disparage any possible future sponsors. <laughs> no. Most I... of those delivery companies seem to be sponsors. <laughs> They're podcast friendly. No, I can't. So... I, I I guess I just like I don't know trauma black this out, but it was so we ordered some food from an Italian restaurant. I think it must have been DoorDash. I think so. As I believe I mentioned, my sister lives sort of up on a hill. I mean, it's not super high, but it, there is some incline to it, and she has a number. Of, they have sort of a um, carport situation, but then there's also a pad on the other side where you can like park another car there. I don't know. I didn't see exactly what this guy did, but it seemed like it was starting to get bad. And he basically skidded off and like went into a sort of ditch near her house, like near the pad, I think. And he comes up, delivers our food. And he's like, I'm stuck in your driveway. <laughs> and we were like, uh, so it's me, my two sisters, my 16 year old niece, all just at this house. And we're, you know, we're like kind of reeling from the fact that we're not gonna be able to get home and all of a sudden this like 22 year old delivery guy is like I can't get it. I mean he really did kind of sound like I can't get out of your <laughs> your yard was this and before so, or after the champagne had been popped the champagne had been popped mostly by me so I'm just said this is probably why I don't have <laughs> as much of like a distinct memory of it I was just like this is bizarre so he I think I've I think I've seen this story on <laughs> Cinemax I know, I know. <laughs> but it was definitely one of those times where you don't want to be rude, but you're also a little bit um, like you can't. I don't. There's so many things going on, like COVID, but it's cold outside. It, but it's a man in a house full of women and all of these things. So he's kind of out there. She said, "Why don't you call DoorDash?" And he said, "DoorDash won't care about me. I mean, I'm you know I'm a contract worker or whatever." And he said, "I think I can call one of my friends to tow me out of this or something." And but then at some point he was like, "Can I come in?" And Kristen at first was like, "No." And my niece said, "No, he can't come in. He cannot come in." And then one of us was like, "No, he can come in, but he needs to go sit in the other room." So Kristen said, "You need to put your mask on and go sit in like her 
kind of living room area as we watch TV in the other room. So this guy was just <laughs> hanging out for like an hour and a by half himself. While we, by himself. While we were like, and honestly, I sort of forgot about him until he was like, "My friend's here to help me out." And we were like, "Okay, bye." <laughs> so weird. But yes, Jennifer, my other sister, said we could have taken him. <laughs> I don't know if we could have. I mean, maybe we could have, but um, yeah, it was another uh, little adventure within this trip which was so so bizarre yeah we did we adopted him he seemed very sweet but you just never know and and Kristen did say his car really was kind of like jammed up in there so oh <laughs> you couldn't know. have like pushed it out I, you know I couldn't have at that point in the night so <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I was like happily. I was still in my pajamas that day. I don't. That was the day that I did not. I was wearing like gym shorts and a sweatshirt all day. I was not go. I was and maybe like UGGs. Like I wasn't pushing anybody out of anywhere <laughs> at that point in the day. Oh, good times. And it, honestly, it's like seventy degrees right now. It's beautiful. So those. I don't know. You know, as as. I won't delve deep into this, but you know, as the state of Texas fucked everything, and now our governor's wanting to distract and fuck everything again. So it's super fun here. Mm-hmm. Yay. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Enjoy your maskless liberty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Head on down was, to the bar, girl. It was binding. It was binding <laughs> on me. I, I couldn't, I couldn't express my personal liberty with that piece of fabric on my mouth. Well, <sighs> shall we move on to the mailbag? Yes. We have a few things I, to discuss. Just a few. Um, so from our friend Bob Stein, this is late. He says, sorry, guys, had a bit of a busy week and forgot shame to send in my answer to the question of the week. This is the previous week's question of the week about your musical instrument uh, playing abilities. He says, as you know, I'm an accordion player. Been at it since college when I played for international folk dancing, then moved on to Contra, Square, English and Irish dancing slash music. I'm self-taught on the instrument, so in my retirement, I decided to step up my game and take lessons. Now I'm learning an eclectic set of music from jazz to French cafe waltzes, a humbling but extremely gratifying experience. And he concludes with, so a modern day prayer for you. May Andrew Cuomo not harass and bully you. May Greg Abbott not be in charge of heating your home. And may you be free of covid and your houses not need expensive but essential repair jobs. I mean, that's Thank beautiful, Bob. That is beautiful. Yeah. Very <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Mm-hmm. I'm to get that uh, in a woodcut of some kind to put over my front door. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I thought that this was worth going back to this well because we didn't have any other accordion players step up. And I wanted to ask you, Bobby, in your knowledge, not that, you know, your knowledge is all encompassing of classical music. It's pretty but wide. is there a piece for classical orchestra and accordion? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Accordion's a, really? a popular... I've contracted accordion players. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've never seen anything like that. I had no idea. It sort of comes and goes, but um, be, because it is such a, a, a portable instrument and because it makes such a different sound than so many other things, especially um, in the 1900s, um, there's a proliferation of of accordion music across Europe because uh, you can sort of adapt it. You know, there's so much sort of uh, French styling and Polish styling, and uh, yeah. So uh, you know, you get everything from like um, you know, and Spanish stuff. You know, like tangos and things like that, where you get the little uh, the smaller 
uh, versions of the accordion, the the concertinas and things like that. So uh, there, there's definitely a time and a place for accordion, uh, and uh, they're they're out there because because it's sort of one of those things. that's sort of a novelty, like it's almost kind of a toy, but it's not. You can actually do a lot with it. So um, I know more than a few accordion players, uh, and I have hired a couple through the years to play gigs there's definitely room for him and we should definitely hire him to play meredith's bachelor party oh yes <laughs> bachelorette excuse me although it sh- i feel like we should have a non-gender term for yeah. bachelor party now yeah. yeah yeah it should be just a potato head party <laughs> are there like sexy accordion numbers i mean i guess maybe those french cafe waltzes. well right i mean exactly yeah. like if you yeah. you know you could you could tango to an accordion and you could get uh quite steamy so i mean just i guess bob, bob to show up with some long roses in his accordion <laughs> if if you're really a good stripper you can strip to anything <laughs> <laughs> we just yeah, have I mean, to make sure we get the quality ones <laughs> that's another one that should be like embossed on a pillow <laughs> Well, thank you for that, Bob. Let's go to this week's question of the week, which was I mean, one of my more favorite ones that we've asked because it's so ludicrous. And that was, what would you bring on your trip with Ted Cruz to Cancun? And Bobby, when you posted it, we were um, trying to figure out the way to phrase it that wouldn't get us in trouble with the FBI for threatening a sitting senator. So you just put no weapons in parentheses. <laughs> Uh, that was also to be a catalyst for creativity because yes. the easy answers are all violent. <laughs> right. Uh, so let's start. Um, before we do, was that you, Hillary, that uh, I was tangoing with this morning? Speaking of accordion music, or was that Bobby? It was Bobby. Okay, that was Bobby. I thought oh, I wasn't sure that you which one know. of you it was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, if the others understand what happened there, but Anne and I logged into the run sheet at the same time this morning to copy over the question of the week responses, we saw one another's squares. And I just wrote, I see you, Anne. We came here to do the same thing. We're corresponding in the spreadsheet, of course. <laughs> like a bunch of nerds. And then I went over to the typewriter font and typed, shall we play a game? <laughs> I was delighted when I read it. I was like, are we doing war games here? I that love was- it. I'm very excited. And the reason that I was confused is because I thought it was more likely that it was Hillary pulling in the question of the response the weak responses, but it was more likely to be Bobby typing, <laughs> shall we play a game? <laughs> it worked out quite well. Anne started at the top and worked her way down and I stopped it and started at the bottom and worked my way up. And if there's a platonic version of the lady in the tramp kiss, it was the I'm with stupid t-shirt in the middle. <laughs> All right. So anyway, here's what our listeners have come up with. Fred started us off with a wood chipper isn't a weapon, right? <laughs> I mean, I, not I, questioned, I questioned his ability to check that without going over the weight limit. Yeah, I don't think it fits in the overhead either. Right. So that might, we have some logistics. Um, oh, yeah, the question was specifically, what would you take? So it's not that you could rent the wood chipper when you got to Cancun. So you're going to have to transport it somehow, Fred. You think that's a popular rental item? Like there's your scooters to get around and then like beach chairs and then wood chippers? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. So, um, Ken said poison. <laughs> if that's not allowed, noise canceling headphones. Yeah, I think that's probably okay. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Louise says Monopoly deal. I always bring it when I have to kill time in an airport without my kids. So, Anne Louise is going to play card games. 
with Ted Cruz on the way to Cancun. Okay. <laughs> um, Anne says an invisibility cloak? Cone of silence? How wedded to reality are we? And that's an excellent question. Well, we're hypothesizing that you're traveling to Cancun with Ted Cruz, so obviously we're really rooted in reality. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. Uh, Amy says stink powder. Yeah, I'll get burned, but so will he. <laughs> Burn I mean, me once. <laughs> I don't know about this collateral damage, Amy. Yeah. Um, Saska proves that she's the most responsible person of all of us because she says his dog, Snowflake. <laughs> Those pictures of Snowflake staring through the side <laughs> door window were <laughs> something else. Uh, <laughs> Julie gets style points. She says Rohypnol, an electric hair trimmer slash shaver, and a bold black sharpie that is why jigglypuff is my favorite pokemon because jigglypuff's power is that whenever it i don't know some pokemons are gender neutral um i think jigglypuff might be an it uh whenever jigglypuff sings any listeners fall asleep and then it gets really annoyed that they've fallen asleep and whips out a big black marker and scribbles on their faces so Julie is going to be a Jigglypuff, essentially. Uh, Carolyn just posted an I'm with stupid t-shirt. Without any commentary. So that's good. I like that. Yep. Sarah said, can we bring a person? Because I'm bringing AOC and a bag of popcorn. That was like my that. favorite answer. Really <laughs> oh, man. We think we hate Ted Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, Ugh. Yep. She would rip him apart with her bare hands. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Kristen says, better O'Rourke and, oh, wait, he'd never leave Texans behind. <laughs> God. Uh, from Rena, garlic, holy water, wooden steak. <laughs> I don't know. I think vampires are more elegant than what Ted is. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, definitely. Also, why would a vampire fly commercial? <laughs> True. I mean, they have to be in cargo because they have to take the um, coffin with them, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They have to travel in the dirt of their homeland. Uh, Will says Visine for his water bottle so he can enjoy the same experience as all the Texans who didn't quite boil their snow water and spoiled super hot salsa so he could savor the experience. Come on. Will's kind of evil. <laughs> <laughs> the like dark underbelly of Will. Sam says Iocane powder. Extremely elegant. elegant. Yes. Yep. Uh, Bet says the rabbit from the Holy Grail. Okay. <laughs> uh, Morgan says definitely two sets of earbuds. So one can always be ready to go. I cannot listen to him. That's smart, Morgan. Yeah. You, you don't want to. Um, chance running down the batteries yeah, on your earbuds. Prepared. Yep, That's good. And uh, finally, Maggie says, tequila! And I quit <laughs> drinking four and a half years ago. <laughs> Thank you for the sacrifice. Yes. I think that should be an exception. Yes. Oh, absolutely. On the 12-step <laughs> yes. um, mm-hmm. like right. sheet of rules at the bottom, there should be a little asterisk that says, unless traveling with Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Then you get that's uh, what happens with Ted stays with Ted. Ew, 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 ew. <laughs> and disgusting. No, no, no. <laughs> Ugh. I mean, he has children, so. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh. 
Hillary, this is like when you sent that reductress headline around. <laughs> it, was and... like, it said something. It was like, he gets away with it because he's so good looking or something. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a joke, right? Yes. It, it, reductress okay. is like a feminist onion sort of. Here, let me see if I can find it. Really right. I knew it was a joke, but I was just still so disgusted by the premise that I couldn't <laughs> yeah. process. Oh. Dry <laughs> heave just a little is, bit. This is what it is. Ted Cruz is proof is proof you can get away with anything if you're if you're ridiculous <laughs> if you're ridiculously hot. <laughs> oh, he does look like a grown up like um with the beard situation he has going on. Um is it Eddie Munster? Like yes. the little, like that's yes. what he looks like to me. Mm-hmm. Oh I mean, my gosh, yes. Like we're thinking of like monster people. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, he's, he, he's a an old teen wolf. <laughs> you you think that I don't know Senators don't necessarily have stylists, but at but, least he should have somebody saying, trim it up, Ted, trim it up. Yeah. It's so weird and scraggly looking. I know. Ugh. Like he's just too busy legislating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do um, such a good job. But they that. love to talk about AOC's, um, oh, yeah, how she looks. So, yeah. right. Well, well, they're just like mad because they're like, I'm so attracted to her and I hate I her so much. No. I know. I, I think that we're sort of at a point where a woman can be attractive or a woman can have power. But for an attractive yeah. woman to have power, that yeah. really makes their brains <laughs> sort of short And their out. dicks. Well, yes, that too. <laughs> There's just something they can't resolve about that. Right. Whoever we get for Ted Cruz, just get two of for Boris Johnson. Yeah. Oh, we all God. Say. I mean, brush your hair. And no, right? he looks like um, the what's that guy's name that everyone made fun of? Um, Boris Johnson. Uh, no, <laughs> like the the actor that would. Oh, Nick Nolte. He, he yes. looks like the he totally the, does. But yeah, he, totally he looks does. like the mugshot of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, randomly ran across on YouTube the other day the SNL sketch that's the, I don't know, world leaders of the G8 or something uh, at the cafeteria, and it's all the high school things. So I think it was Jimmy Fallon came to play Trudeau, and Paul Rudd was playing Macron, and they got James Corden to play Boris Johnson, <laughs> and they're like cool kid freezing out Trump in the cafeteria yes. yeah and like uh no this uh th- this seat saved and then they call uh kate mckinnon as a- angela merkel over to sit with them and she's like oh, oh. i guess that's that hair that was pretty funny actually yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, Corden as boris johnson is, is uh pretty good pretty perfect, yeah pretty good, good. Yeah. okay so with that incisive political talk yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's go on to our our long pushed topic for a medium talk shall we yes yes let's do it well as previously mentioned no i'm not gonna do it anymore <laughs> <laughs> i mean is there not a tennessee williams play you can be in or something yeah. i'm blanche dubois it's the wrong area but um Yes, for a meeting and talk, this is the long-delayed trip to the South, South Atlantic. <laughs> and, okay, so we surmise that it it includes the Carolinas, Georgia, and Florida. But Florida is just Florida. I know there are some people, like, Lauren, I know you live in Jacksonville, and Jacksonville people consider Florida, like, a part of the South. But it's just, it's not. I mean, it's it is. Florida is Florida. Yeah. 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 Uh, it is, you know, and it is, 
kind of like in a Texas sort of way, there's different parts of it that are different. You know, Miami is obviously totally different from like the Redneck Riviera. It just is, and it's its own bizarre very very bizarre area so yeah, yeah we will we will cordon that off into another episode so this week yes we're talking about the carolinas and georgia and wow do we have a <laughs> grab bag of movies for you guys <laughs> yep i think we bring a celebration of breadth and variety <laughs> The cinema landscape. Um, so I think first we are going to start with Miss Anne and her wonderful pick. Indeed. Miss Anne. We decide. <laughs> Miss Anne. Anne. Miss Anne. Miss <laughs> Anne. Uh, we're sort of going chronologically until it didn't work to go chronologically for our order. <laughs> but I'm going to start us off with the color purple that was set in Georgia. I think, I believe, filmed in the Carolinas. So I win either way on that. (laughs) Yeah. Covered your bases. Um, And the reason that I wanted to rewatch The Color Purple is I saw it back when I was a senior in high school, read the book, watched the movie, you know, thought it was very interesting. But I think when I was 17, 18 years old, I maybe didn't have the mental, emotional resources to really consider it in a mature way. So I thought, oh, that would be really interesting to go back and watch that again. And I hope that most people have some knowledge of The Color Purple. It's a very famous movie, very famous book, Pulitzer Prize winner from Alice Walker. Uh, And the short synopsis is that uh, Celie is a young black girl and like 14, I think, Mm -hmm. say, living with her sister and her father and the movies. And I assume the books, you know, I really do need to reread the book now that I've watched the movie. Um, but she is essentially being, you, you know, uh, raped and beaten by her father on the regular. She has become pregnant by him two times. The movie starts with her basically giving birth and him taking the baby away and selling it. So he's disposed of her children. Then he sells her in marriage to Danny Glover, a much older man. Uh, Danny Glover actually wanted her sister, Nettie, but uh, I guess daddy wanted to keep the young pretty girl home with him ew, 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 ew. Ew. and sells the older one off and Danny Glover whose character is basically she calls Mr. Yeah. Uh, beats her and abuses her and rapes her for the next 15 to 30 yeah. years and it's about how she survives in that life and um, early on in that marriage her younger sister Nettie comes to stay with them because Daddy was getting handsy, and um, Nettie is her one person in this world who they love each other desperately and teaches her to read, and then when they stop Mr. from raping her, he kicks them out and says, you're never allowed back on my property again, and he takes all the letters that she writes Celie for the next 20 years and keeps them from her. Like he says, if you touch this mailbox, I will kill you and takes all the letters and hide them. And then eventually things happen and she gets away with him and is united with her sister. And spoiler alert, the two children that she was forced to give up. Give away. And it, Happy ending! Yay! After a lot of torture, a it, lot. Is a it was a happy long ending. torture movie. Yes, it was not 
a great life. But so I watched this movie. Oh, and by the way, it, in the credits, it said introducing Whoopi Goldberg. She was 30 at the time. It was her first <laughs> major role. I to this day, I believe that she won the Oscar for Ghost and it was she really an Oscar yeah, for yes. the color purple. She mm-hmm. should have won it for this. Yep. I believe Meryl Streep maybe won it this year for Out of Africa, which oh, oh. well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um but she should have won it she for won this. It. She yeah. was fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. And it would I mean, there's a sliding doors moment potentially there. Like what could her career have been? I mean, yeah. would she still have you know, ended up on The View. Not that I'm totally negging The View, although I am. But, you know, I mean. Megan McCain is my nemesis, so it's okay. You can, <laughs> you can neg it all you want. Whoopi's had a great career and won the Oscar and a, a comfortable lifestyle. So, like, I'm not criticizing her choices or anything, but it's interesting to think about what she could have done had sure. she chose to go down that more dramatic path because she is just astonishing in this yes. role. She- um, so this movie was made by Steven Spielberg. Yes. And I think there's a lot of criticism and there probably even was at the time. And there's more now about this white man getting to tell black women's story. And I'm kind of of two minds about that because yes, of course we should allow black people to tell their own stories um, from their own experiences and not give that to white men. But on the other hand, I was trying to think of what black filmmaker could have gotten this movie made in yeah. 1985. Yeah. yeah. And I just don't mm-hmm. think it would have happened without no. Spielberg's involvement. Well, and the money and yeah. the awards. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. If if he hadn't been interested in doing it, this never would have happened in the first place. And he was out to prove that he was more than just like a summer blockbuster. Yeah. director he did Jaws mm-hmm. and Indiana Jones and E.T. and whatever and this was his bid to be sort of an auteur and I think he did the best that he could yes yeah. but clearly did not have the lived experiences <laughs> or the understanding of black people's lives to do this in the right way right quotation marks yeah and i think that the parts of the movie that worked which are the friendships among the female characters yeah yeah and i think that's because of the source material in the novel and because of Mm -hmm. the actors because oprah was in this sort of i think it's her first movie too yeah i think she was amazing yeah and uh margaret avery who played suge avery who was just so beautiful and so beautiful and when they focus on those parts of the story i think that it's just it's a wonderful movie and the rest of it is not so good and i was noticing that first of all like i thought the music cues were really clunky and seemed sort of comedic and i was like i don't understand what is going on here this is not a comedy I just knocked my Diet Coke bottle over. No! Don't worry, everybody. It was empty. It was no! empty. Okay. Um, so I was doing some looking. I was reading some reviews. And this is from IndieWire.com. This actually isn't a review. This was a panel discussion with some black women filmmakers and journalists. And, of course, I just took a screenshot so I can't see what their names are. But there was this thing that I thought was worth reading that was really interesting that one of the women said. Uh, but – 
quote, but it's like the women are in a pretty serious black film dealing with really deep and important issues, which is what brings tears to my idea. But then it just seems to me that Mr. and the other men are doing some kind of weird pantomime of a sort of pretend blackness. It was like this kind of physical comedy and then these accents and then the brutality that comes out of fucking nowhere. And I thought that was really good. Like, it's so sensitive about black women and it's so racist about black men. Black men. Yes. They're mm-hmm. all abusers or stupid or stupid abusers. Yep. Um, yep. And it's scary. You know, like Danny Glover is super scary. In well, I know it's like the threat of violence all the time, even when it's yep. not there is really, really. That's the thing that like set me on edge the whole time when I was watching. This. Yep. And then and the his, old- his father, old mister shows yes. up and it's mm-hmm. clear that he was abusive to his son. And he's belittling him and, you know, saying that he's a failure and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, OK, well, I sort of see how this chain yes. all connects. But I, boy, it was weird. It was like Spielberg couldn't help himself but put these blockbuster touches on what should have been a really much smaller film. And it's so tonally jarring. I wonder if it's because that's how he was trying to do it from Seeley's perspective and the men were abusive and clowns, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. so. Yeah, that I need to reread the book and see if that's how that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I have it. I stole it from my high school, so I have. (laughs) (laughs) And so now, no one else from your high school will ever benefit. Never again. (laughs) Okay, a couple of things I want to talk about. What is the message of Sophia, Oprah's character? Because she is. I mean, we can just be reductive and say she's a sassy black woman right unlike Celie who is subservient and cringing and just like a Mm -hmm. you know like a oh I hate a dog that's been beaten I hate comparing her to a dog but you know that's like cringing in the corner with her tail between her Mm -hmm. legs all the time so Oprah as Sophia is like vibrant and loud and she's not going to take shit from anybody not her husband not the white people and she gets into an altercation with the mayor's wife, who they're white, uh, of course. Dana Ivey, who is in Sleepless in Seattle, and I love. She's a great character actress. <laughs> oh, boy. So she is the most racist, nice, nice white Southern lady oh, ever. Oh, yes. It's this. perfect, too, because it's like, thank you so much. But then also, right. like, evil at her core. It all starts because she's like, oh, your children are so adorable. They're so clean. Oh, God. You know, being, like, super racist and condescending. And then she's like would you like to come and work as my maid and and Sophia says fuck no and that ends up in a confrontation where she punches the mayor and then she goes to jail for six years for punching the mayor and she gets beaten by a mob and she comes out and they make her work as the mayor's wife's maid anyway and she is like a shattered shell of herself and I'm like so what what's the message here that if you speak up for yourself and demand dignity, you are going to be destroyed. So like Celie, you should keep your mouth shut and try to stay out of it. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know. I kind of took it as like as, as a poor-ish black woman. It, like it is kind of like you have no choice but to mm-hmm. like submit at some point. Especially, well, now as well probably, but especially at that time. It was like there's no way out a little bit until, I don't know, you find... I know it, it 
I I got it until then she came back towards the end and it was like all of a sudden she was like reignited, which makes me happy because it's sad to see, you know, sad Oprah. But um, mm-hmm. but I, I just took it as like, you're going to get beat down no matter what. Like I, I felt it. That was really depressing to me because it's like yeah. she was this brash woman and it's like it doesn't matter. Like there's you don't have any choice. Like you're going to submit yep. to us. Women mm. at that time, especially black women in the South, had no like you can't be like that or yeah. you go to jail yep I, th- I think there's a lot of uh the world catching up to this part of the south in this movie too but it starts in the late aughts and it carries through to almost the 40s is it yeah by yeah. the time it's done yeah. and and you start to see first like basic things like electricity and cars start to to come in and then by the end when you see the Danny Glover character who's now at this point too old for this shit go <laughs> into the uh, immigration office and suddenly he's like in a city that that resembles a, like a, a relatively modern city. Yeah. Um, and, and you see sort of this evolution of independence and um, sort of modern life sort of catching up, even though it was much later than in other parts of the country. Um, I, I think that's telling there. I think you see Celia as sort of a, 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 a last generation of, well, I won't say last generation because there's still a lot of, you know, right. carryover issues. But like you see that as a real generational breaking point in these these women, uh, which is both sad and a, a little heartening in the grand scheme of things. Um, but that that uh, that huge mindset difference between the beginning and end of the film and the time span that it covers was one of the things that really struck me. Mm hmm. Um, this is, has nothing to do with anything. And Danny Glover slash mister is very evil, but man, he was a good looking guy. Yes, he was. I was like, damn. Like I, cause I, I think of him as, you know, uh, you know, I'm too old for this shit kind of Danny Glover, but God, he was a good looking guy. He is still a good looking guy, but I just young him was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Those guys had their chances with their shirts off in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) They certainly did. All right. So let's sort of touch on something that we mentioned before we started recording, um, which is the lesbian angle in this. So the character Mm -hmm. of Suge Avery, who is Mr.'s one that got away, kind of she's this different than Sophia, but has confidence also. Like a Josephine Baker. Yes, she's a jazz singer, sings in the speakeasies and the juke joints and has fabulous clothes and she's incredibly beautiful and drunk and high, I think. Yeah. Um, And she comes to stay with them for a while. I'm not quite sure how that works. But she and Celia eventually form a friendship and a bond. And there is one scene. Well, there are a couple of scenes at the at the juke joint first. Then she sings Miss Celia's blues to Celia and makes her feel special and seen. And then they go back to the house and they're trying on the fancy clothes. And then they kiss. And then the scene ends. So we don't know what happened after that. But I was watching it and thinking about, is this a a semi-subtle like subtle for the 80s reference to the fact that Seeley might be a lesbian or is it that this is just the first person in two decades who has loved her loved her yes exactly and cared for her and told her that she has humanity and that she's beautiful and worthwhile and probably the first time she had sex that wasn't rape 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm not convinced that she's actually, you know, prefers women. It's just that this was a person with showing her tenderness and yep. unconditional love. Yeah. And kindness towards her. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read the book. Um, so I don't know if that was a, like a subplot that they just kind of excised out of it a little bit. There's a, there's a quote in an article from The Advocate that says uh, there were certain things in the uh, lesbian relationship between Trig Avery and Seeley that were very finely detailed in Alice's book. But I, I didn't feel we could get a PG-13 rating from mm. Steven Spielberg. Mm, especially so, at that time. Yeah. Yeah. You could see that. Well, and the, and the last thing that I want to mention, because we do have to. Keep this show under three hours. <laughs> when Celie finally leaves Mr. and she goes, you know, with Suge and Suge's now husband and they go to the city, wherever the city is, and she opens up her little store and her brilliant concept for her store is one size fits all pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the sisterhood of the traveling pants by Celie. <laughs> and they demonstrate it by having... Oprah and and this was big Oprah days, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oprah tried them on, and then Harpo, ooh, which uh, I know, I was like, wait, his name weird. is Harpo. Yeah, <laughs> her husband, who's this little itty bitty skinny guy, try on like the same pair of pants, and they fit equally well. And I'm like, this oh, is weird. <laughs> it was such a weird, like, I mean, I guess it was you know trying to show that she's successful and has confidence and all that, but it was like, what a weird. Um, I don't know, uh, like way of going about it. Yeah, it just, it's so unreal, right? As opposed to the rest of the story that the movie is telling. It's this yes. sort of fantastical yeah. element in a very, not mundane story, but you know what I mean? But, yes, kind of realistic. Yeah, story. so Roger Ebert said that this was the best movie of 1985. He gave it 100 out of 100 on, you know, whatever. That's not the thumbs mm-hmm. rating, but... You know, that's what IMDb right. said that that's he a gave lot of thumbs. It. Yeah. And he, you know, he said it was incredibly moving and incandescent and joyful. And then give Roger credit. He came back to it 20, 25 years later after all this criticism about sort of the racism and the uh, appropriation and all of that. And oh, and the novel was adapted by a white screenwriter. So that's not great. And he watched it again and re-reviewed it. And he said, OK, I see what people are saying about this and I I think those are valid criticisms and at the time I couldn't see it because you know I didn't have the right tools but the one thing that he said that he still really likes about this is the the feeling of joy at the end when mm-hmm. Celie is reunited with her sister and he said the look on Whoopi's face and the reunion that they have is just an incredible incandescent moment and he still thinks it's wonderful and i have to agree with roger it's like would i recommend that we see this movie i don't know i i don't know i i i think there are some directing parts that i think are are beautiful um so aesthetically i think it is really pretty i do think it's really complicated that it's made by a white man but i it's so, I mean, I, I don't know, grading on a curve. In comparison to Amistad, he did a much gentler job with this um, and seemed to be, like you said, a little bit more um, sympathetic. That's not the right word, but understanding of the female relationships in this. And I don't know. I don't think you need to throw it out, but I think it's good to watch it with a critical eye. Right. Yeah. I think 
I think it was a movie made about racism for white people. Mm-hmm. And I sort of think it's what white people could handle yes. in 1985. And yes. hopefully we have moved the conversation beyond that. Yeah. yeah. But I would say it is still worth seeing, I think, especially to see Whoopi. the women yeah. in mm-hmm. it. I think they're great. Whoopi really is. I mean, her face mm-hmm. in this, it's, it's like her big smile when she does smile, like mm-hmm. when she's trying on the dress um, you know, the fancy like flapper dress is just like her smile. I, it like kind of stopped me. Yep. Um, quickly, I just have to lambast my parents again because that's what I do on this podcast. <laughs> um, they took me to see this movie when it came out in the theaters and I looked it up. It was December 18th, tw- uh, 1985. So I had just turned seven years old. Um, I, I think I went with my mom and my sisters. I think that's my seven year old memory. Um, I didn't understand any of it. I can't believe they took me mostly because the first, you know, 30 minutes are, a, it's a lot of, a lot of violence. Um, but I do remember, I, I always had this thing when Jennifer, my sister Jennifer is an easy crier at movies. And when she would start crying, I would start crying, even if I didn't really understand exactly what was going on. And I just remember when they found, uh, Nettie's letters, I like, like couldn't breathe like I was like they found the letters I don't think I knew what that meant but I just knew letters were being hidden from her from somebody she loved and Mm -hmm. I lost my mind but um but I'm glad I got to see it because this was the first time that I had seen it since I was seven years old so it was like oh okay now it's all (laughs) clicking into place like I just had to like shake up my memory a little bit you're saying you have a a slightly different perspective (laughs) just slightly just a little bit a little bit I kind (laughs) of understood some more of the nuances than I did when I was you know, a wee baby. Uh, as a fan of CBS News, I don't know that I can do this without mentioning that Gail King is an uncredited churchgoer. Oh, yeah. I oh, looked for really? her and I didn't <laughs> see her. You know what? Their friendship is one of the most enduring things in this world. Like, I don't care about really about people breaking up, like getting divorced celebrities. But if Gail and Oprah ever like parted ways as far as friendship, I would be really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So 30 minutes of commentary on Hillary's hard hitting film now. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So we, you know, we decided we were going to do this a few weeks ago. Originally I wanted to do this movie shag, which was a um, super, uh, was a, was a sleepover staple in my childhood about also girls. up for Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, about a bunch of girls going to, I think Myrtle beach, whatever. And, being young adults I loved it but unfortunately Shag is not streaming anywhere and I'm not going to make everybody buy a copy of Shag from from Amazon so um, I went with The Notebook which is similarly deep (laughs) to The Color Purple but so when I was telling Dave the movies and saying like I need to watch these and he said do you really need to watch The Notebook haven't you seen it enough which is so funny to me because I am not somebody who's like a big notebook stan. Like there are definitely people out there that watch the notebook and, you know, really romanticize Ryan Gosling and, um, and, uh, what's her face? Uh, Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. Thank you. Rachel McAdams relationship and all that. I, I have never been one of those people. It just must've been a movie that was on HBO or whatever TBS. And I, you know, it's like, I understand the beats. It seems kind of comfortable and I'll just watch it. And I, and when I watched it yesterday, I was like, Oh yeah, like this is why I, I, 
there's only one part that's really hard for me to watch, but otherwise it's a pretty like comfortable movie. So basically, if you haven't seen The Notebook, it is based on a Nicholas Sparks book, which I have never read. It's um, not a walk to remember. Don't get your hopes no, up from anymore no. in this one. Uh, um, so basically it starts out with, um, you know, a elderly couple in a nursing home and um, the, the man is like reading to this woman, a st- whatever, there's a lot of other machinations, but a story of these young people falling in love and just... It, it intercuts a little bit between the elders, uh, uh, James Gardner and Gina Rollins, who is, I think, the director's mother. But she's actually, she's really good in it. That's not my favorite part. I kind of like, I don't care about the old people. Like, I understand that's the bookends of this uh, of this movie, but I don't care as much about the old people as <laughs> I do when you get to Ryan, McA- Ryan McAdams, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams falling in love over the course of a summer in South Carolina. And it's a very, like titanic you know situation where she's from this hoity-toity family and he's you know hard scrabble you know working at the mill the tropes per minute on this movie is i know i know (laughs) okay so this is the thing about it okay so then obviously they fall in love but then you know they break up because her parents joan allen is her kind of semi-evil mother not really but her demanding mother you know wants her to go to sarah lawrence and be rich and meet you know an eligible bachelor and marry a proper person um he goes off to war um with e from um (laughs) 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 yeah god that guy he he popped up a fair amount and some stuff anyway so they he goes off to where his friend dies he comes back he has written alley but again in another you know, Anne and I were laughing that this is the trope of these two movies is, and this is ruined because you just can text somebody or email somebody, but letters would be written every day to somebody. And then an evil third person would like squirrel those letters away and intercept them. Yes. Have you ever tried to write a letter to someone every day for a while? No. I, there was a time. Yeah. When I was a, a teenager away at camp, for six weeks oh. or eight weeks or something. And had seen the notebook, I assume. <laughs> Probably, or or was, you know, trying to court someone who had. And uh, I can say that uh, after about day three, you really have nothing to talk about. <laughs> Gets a little less... Uh... A little less eloquent in your life. Yeah, there's a reason Sam and I throw on the CBS Evening News when we get home, because Nora has a lot more to say than we do. I know. Uh, I know. Well, okay, so, you know, after time passes, she gets, she meets uh, Lon Hammond Jr., played by the beautiful James Marsden, who always plays the second runner-up. And he's, Why? Why? Why would anybody ever break up with James Marsden? Why? <laughs> Specifically in this movie. That's the, one of the craziest parts. Like, he's the nicest, most understanding, good-looking person. And, and he's significantly less doofy-ish no, than, than he great. is in other roles. He's yeah. great in this. And she really loves her, and he really wants her to be happy, even if that means being with somebody other than him. Yes. Which you're like, oh. I mean, come on. Yeah, I know. And, and he's rich. And he's rich. And polite. <laughs> and has a good sense of humor. And is a war hero. And is extremely handsome. And, and he, like, understands her in a way where he's like, you know, I understand that you want to be sort of in, um, you know, you want to, you want to do th- things to your parents that make, you know, you want to disappoint them in a way you want, mm-hmm. you don't want to live up to it. And by marrying me, like, you know, you're 
you're pleasing them and I know that's frustrating to you but and he's she said I don't paint with I don't paint anymore and he's like well then go paint so I don't know I mean the thing is at the end of the day she was just super horny for Noah and that's like all that mattered in this anyway okay so she goes she spoiler alert she chooses Noah at the end and they are the old married couple in the home <gasps> what an unshocking <laughs> twist A- Allie has dementia it's very sad Noah slash Duke is there to live with her it's a real 51st dates thing at the end <laughs> <laughs> and then they she kind of comes back for a second that's the only part that I hate is the I like, kind of have to look away where she comes back for a second and then she goes away her like dementia brain goes back in and they have to like restrain her I don't know I don't like watching that part that was uh, what I mean I'm not even saying it was like so deep it was just more like oof, it's just a kind of a bad scene but um anyway so they end up falling asleep and dying together and it's very sweet it's a love story for the ages now what I will say it is a really Sorry. corny movie it is a really corny <laughs> movie I think for a Nicholas Sparks movie it is actually beautifully made I mean just like the scenery is really beautiful it is super hackneyed at the end of the day, they have a really good chemistry together. And that is the reason why this movie has like mm-hmm. long legs. Like this is why, you know, the Miley Cyrus one or another Nicholas Sparks movie, they're all the same. You know, they all have the same general plot situation going on. But these two people have great chemistry. And in particular, this is the first time. Now, I'd seen her in Mean Girls and I'd seen her a couple other things. But Rachel McAdams is just like sparkling in this. And you can't look away from her. Um, and Actually, I, now that I think about it, Message in a Bottle is also about mail being delayed. <laughs> <laughs> delayed mail. Um, I just, but I do, I think that she is like captivating in this. And I think that's what, I don't know, that's why it has stood the test of time. Yeah, I think, I think maybe we could agree that this movie has something. As yes. Bobby said, the tropes per minute oh, are, uh, is astonishing. There is no sort of cliche romantic movie, not romantic comedy, just romantic yeah. romance. Yeah, this is like um, romance cliche that that is not employed. Um, but there's a reason that so many people have loved it. Yes, and so I think it deserves sort of honest discussion. <laughs> yes, sure. And there's a reason that. I am not a notebook fan. I had seen it one time before and I rewatched it and I fucking cried at the end. And he <laughs> called and in, crawled into her single bed and mm-hmm. they died together. I know. It's very sweet. They were meant to be together. Also, their kids are dicks. Um, yep. yep. <laughs> the kids, their kids come and visit and they're like, dad, come home. And it's yeah. very. Leave it's her very, for dead. <laughs> it's very this old school way of thinking about marriage that I don't think happens all the time, but where the marriage is first and the kids are secondary, um, which, you know, every marriage is different in that way, but it's like, he was so in love with her that he would not sacrifice his kids. His kids are grown up, but, um, you know, just to spend their dying days together. She needed him more in that moment than they needed him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, yeah, they're terrible people who only had the money (laughs) set aside to put one of them in a home. Yeah. I was just going to say, this is all about money. Yeah. Totally. Like, we don't want to pay for this anymore. God. Our our inheritance is being, like, whisked away by (laughs) the nursing home. Um, That was a nice nursing home, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 
seriously. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's just is one of those movies that for whatever reason to me is very easy to take and and I, it is just all about like the chemistry with them. Although it makes me laugh every time they're about to like have sex or whatever. She always jumps in his arm. Like she always like, he like oh. picks her, picks the her legs up every- around the waist. <laughs> yes. yeah, 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 yeah. You have to weigh like a hundred pounds soaking wet in order for that to actually happen. There's mm-hmm. a part where they're about to do it for real. Cause they like almost do it. And then they don't because she's talking too much. Um, but when they almost do it, we've for all real, been there <laughs> we almost, when they're doing it for real and she takes down his pants, but like not as boxers and she doesn't like take his pants off. And then he carries her up the yes! stairs, like and shuffling he, around. His pants are on his ankles. He goes up a flight of stairs. <laughs> Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't ever really think of myself as... I love a romantic comedy. I generally don't love, like, a romantic drama, but this this one, for whatever reason, hooked me. Oh, there was another one. Kind of mirroring Lon being so cool about her, like, going, like, fucking another guy and, like, going to stay, like, breaking off their engagement... The girl that Noah is with, the war widow, she's uh-huh. like, she's amazing. I understand why you love her so much. And I'm like, sure, there's sure. no way mm-hmm. that would happen. None. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but yeah. Okay, so this is interesting because I think that, again, like the color purple, I think as a society, we've evolved somewhat, even yes. in the 15, 16 years since this movie was made. And when I watched the beginning of the movie when he's pursuing her, the note that I wrote down was, this goober will not take no for an answer. It's so crazy. This is not okay, this behavior that he exhibits. Uh, It's so crazy. In 2004, I'm assuming I probably was like, oh, that's so sweet or whatever. That's how I was socialized to think that that was Yep. She tells him no again and again and again. Yes. But she had a smile on her face, so it wasn't real. <laughs> oh, sure. No, these these are the movies that that uh, taught generations of of dumb puppy love boys like me that that was how that you was, pursue yeah. a woman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, totally. It's like that, and, you know, and like say anything, shoot. and all of those where it's like yeah. you just keep asking, mm-hmm. you're just going to whittle them down to where they have to say yes. Yeah. And, and I felt like he, he and I would say like. Guys in all these movies, Hillary, you mentioned Say Anything. I think John Cusack had the same sort of energy in that. Yes. Like, he is so, like, weird and self-possessed for yes. a 17-year-old. <laughs> yes. Very in a way confident. that I'm like, well, this isn't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. Um, and then also I was thinking, you know, a lot of teenage relationships, first loves, like passionate loves can be dramatic but there was a part where she hits him and they're like kind of pushing each other. And I was like, that's not okay. Like even in a passionate relationship, like it, you, you really shouldn't hit each other, you know, or just like get <laughs> physically, like have a physical altercation that then immediately turns into like heavy petting like right there. <laughs> it also is so weird. It was all, I kind of like this actually, but it is, it is kind of strange to me about how, um, her parents aren't that strict. I mean, they are strict in a way that they want her to go to Sarah Lawrence and, you know, follow these, you know, get married to a rich person. But they're very permissive with her at first. I feel like in another movie, the parents would be like, we saw you making out with the boy on the street. And they were a little bit like, have your summer love, like go enjoy it. But this isn't real, which honestly is like probably pretty good advice. Cause mostly when you fall in love at 17, it isn't like, you know, 
the person that you're going to be with for the rest of your life. Um, it is cruel that she hid the, you know, the letters, but right. I, I feel like if she had given the letters, then maybe she would have grown tired of him at some point and be like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is he writing in those? I don't know. He has fabulous penmanship. Though. His deepest yeah. thoughts and dreams, of course. <laughs> He's pouring out his soul every day. <laughs> the other thing I thought was, quite hilarious were the war scenes oh god like the combat <laughs> scenes with e yes i love that he's just e like that is <laughs> i mean it was like community theater production of war well the e is for exposition you just needed to be there as a oh kevin Connelly. and they're both i, I don't know how big Ryan Gosling is, but E is quite a petite oh, man, and so it was is my just height, if anything. Very comical to see him. <laughs> now, short men can be warriors too, but <laughs> really, <laughs> that's a show title. Short, short men can be warriors. Too. Uh, if your yeah. finger can pull the trigger. True, true. Tom Hanks said it, and <laughs> yep. Here's um, the other question that I wanted to ask: Is Ryan Gosling a good actor? Okay. I feel like he kind of plays the same character in every movie. I know. And I heard on Blank Check one time, they were talking about how when he was younger, you know, he's, well, they're both Canadian, but he's from around Toronto, I think. And he would watch, um, you know, Al Pacino or, um, you know, those movies of the seventies and, kind of mimic their acting a little bit and and even their voice because one time David said is he from New York or is he from Boston or something because he has kind of a thick accent like that and I said no I think from what I've heard he just sort of mimicked their acting and talking style um and so I don't know how dimensional he is now I I can't help it I do think he can be really charming like Mm -hmm. crazy crazy Mm -hmm. stupid love is a stupid movie and very problematic on many many I own a copy of it I love it but he he is so charming in it that I am like yes I get it like I totally get it he's charming but he's still the same character totally always plays this kind of weird withdrawn but like people confident person who seem to have sort of a secret that they're not sharing with anybody else i mean lars and the real girl he was that same withdrawn silent person who was in love with the sex doll but you know let's not judge because they seem to be very happy together um no i don't know i mean i think he came in in this he came alive because of her is Um, he good looking Yes, I mean, I, I, I have to home. be able to judge my matinee idols by their looks. <laughs> and he has a long nose and sleepy eyes. He does. He's not conventionally attractive. Floppy hair. But with his sort of like confident attitude, but like easygoing attitude, I think that that makes him sexier than maybe I would find him if he was just like a random person on the street. I don't know if on the street I would be like, holy shit. You know, I don't think I would stop in my tracks. But as portrayed in these movies, I can see it a little bit better. I think he could stand to have darker hair, be chubbier, have a beard, glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree, I Bobby. Defi- I definitely think he looked better when he was all scruffy, longish, floppy hair with the beard when she came to his house. Mm. Yes. Disaffected kind of hipster. Scruffy. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well... That was more than anybody's ever said about the notebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have one other thing to say. I don't think mm-hmm. that's how Alzheimer's works. 
Nope. No. no. <laughs> and I love that they paint the doctor as like being a dick. Like the doctor is like, yeah, I mean, he, he didn't present it well, but, and also it is probably good to read to somebody. I don't think that's bad, but he's probably not wrong either. I don't know if reading someone the same story over and over again <laughs> is, is good for anyone involved. Um, my last note on the notebook is I did think it was sort of an accurate scene set for our celebration of the Carolinas Yes. In Georgia. Yes. Like it, it definitely felt of that part of the mm-hmm. country. So I, I yeah, give sure. it that. And uh I the I watched Color Purple again earlier this week in the notebook more recently, and so they they sort of blend in timeline wise. Um notebook yes. sort of picks up shortly after where Color Purple leaves off. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Well, we planned it that way, didn't yeah. we? Obviously. We <laughs> so is it time for Christy to bring us into present day? <laughs> yes. Are we ready? Yeah. All right. So I picked, let me see when it came out, 2018? Yeah. Um, 2018 show movie, The Hate You Give. Um, a little rundown of the movie is it is a story of a girl that lives in a predominantly black neighborhood in outside of, I guess it's a, it's a little neighborhood in Atlanta. And she goes to school in a very white neighborhood um, called Williamson Prep. And so she's constantly code code switching between her friends from the neighborhood and the friends at school. And that's just um, a big source of pain for her. And then one of her friends from the neighborhood gets shot by a police officer when he was unarmed and got pulled over for no reason. And... um, then what she has to do is fight for her friend, but also keep that hidden from her friends at school because then she's being too black and too controversial. And uh, just was very, oh, and also then there's the element of the kid was helping or possibly in the gang that runs the neighborhood and because of that they didn't want her to speak up about what was going on so then the family starts getting threatened and the dad used to also be in that gang but it served time for something he didn't do for the gang leader yep nothing to discuss about this (laughs) move on on. (laughs) this book has been on sam's sort of reading pile for a while and she just hasn't gotten into it yet but um it's so good yeah, and it's it's a YA novel, right? I mean, mm-hmm. technically, and uh, yep. yeah, I just uh, I know she's been meaning to read it. Did she watch it with you? Uh, no, actually, oh. she didn't. She was busy. I watched it alone. Um, yeah, I, I have, have a read question. It and loved it. Yeah, I was Go. gonna say because I, I haven't read the book, and it's it's. I'm mm-hmm. like Sam. It's one of those ones that I've I've wanted to read because it was recommended. Um, not that books and movies are different, but would you what would you say is better? Like, what did you enjoy more or get more was more impactful? Enjoy is sort of a, t- a tough word. Oh, it, gosh. Or, or how does it compare to the book? Really well, except for is Common a, a good actor? Should he just like st- <laughs> I mean, that was such a stiff, weird um, portrayal of Carlos that that took me out of it. I um, don't think I'm capable of being rational about Common because other people that we have listened to podcasts of seem to delight in taking a giant dump yeah. on Common yeah. for being earnest. Yes. 
And that upsets me so much that I think I'm just automatically in Common's corner for everything now. Yeah. I don't think it's an earnest problem. It just seemed very um, stiff. Right, right. I'm just saying that those previous experiences have uh, blinded me to (laughs) being able to criticize him. Well, because it makes him like, uh, yeah, you want to defend him almost more than maybe mm-hmm. he is. Right. Nec- like, yes. what is wrong with being sincere if you're yeah. not some jaded hipster asshole? Uh, I right. think some of that issue is common trying to sell us a Microsoft Surface tablet. But, <laughs> I I, mean, but get, Bobby, it's revolutionary. Payday. Did you not watch the commercials? <laughs> oh, I did. And they were very rhythmic. <laughs> well, get and paid. also, those are uh, sports commercials right? right they play for all the live sporting mm-hmm. events and right. i don't watch those right so i think you learn to res- inundated you learn yeah. to resent those commercials because they are over and over and over yes yes but that's the problem of the sport not common like the nfl is picking that not common <laughs> and frankly well, i think he's very handsome and yeah, he he's very, very handsome. handsome you know that yeah. counts for me in a movie <laughs> And a lot like these movies that we've seen, we've said the lead actress, I think, is remarkable. I think Amanda oh, Stanberg, Sten, Stenberg, her name is very hard for me to pronounce. Not in the like, I am a white person that doesn't know how to pronounce things. It's like with the extra law in her name. Yeah, I'm like, I, L like, trip, in there. <laughs> it's the L over. inserted into a common name that yes. trips you up. I'm like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think she well, she I think she's fantastic. And I like I like her turn sort of she does it really well where she you know is is code switching so much Mm -hmm. understandably Mm -hmm. and then you know just slowly but surely is just like gaining power and like gaining confidence over her words um i I thought she was i thought she was great she she was definitely robbed of an oscar nomination for that um i i just thought it was really great um yeah i think that the book was good for what it was and the movie was good. I mean, because I think that, well, first of all, getting to see all of her shoes, like th- that's just described. <laughs> I just love shoes. And so getting to see all of her air dry, there was a little bit more um, buildup of the relationship she has with her boyfriend where he just seemed like, oh, is he just like a floppy haired dummy? Like, yeah. I, oh, yeah. That was definitely, a, I was like, oh my God, this guy. And I don't think yeah. he's cute. He does not Archie do Andrews. it for me. Did you guys know when I was doing some digging, that part was recast and reshot because mm-hmm. the original guy that played the role was some YouTuber I never heard of. And then, of course, it came to light after he filmed some video of him saying super racist things. Ooh, and they were wrong. like, uh. And so <laughs> they cut him out of the movie and then they had to go back and reshoot at the last minute with Archie uh. Andrews. And mm-hmm. so maybe that had something to do with well, how sort of be. flat that character is. I think, and his general look is sort of, I think, the Fox Disneyification of yes. this yeah. story in the movie, which is, I haven't read the book, but like, he looks like he just got out of taping High School Musical 6. <laughs> so, right, 100%. So. 100%. And of course, he was like... 20 or 21 years old when he makes it does not look like a high schooler in the slightest. No, right. No. With those cheekbones, I don't think so. No. <laughs> he does look better with brown hair than that fake red hair that they yeah. put him in. Yes. But yeah, yeah I think, yeah, that makes so much more sense because in the book it made, like, he wasn't just this, like, dumb, dumb white kid. Like, they actually had, like, really good conversations and a really um, good relationship and so then at the end when he like helps save them or whatever it made more sense 
than it did in the movie, yeah. I think. He's just a nice young white man who likes her a lot. Is he's a, what you get in the movie? He's a classic James Marsden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. He's a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. So, I had a problem watching this movie, and okay. it's not the movie's fault at all. And I think if I had seen it in 2018 or 2019, it might have landed differently with me but this was a precursor to the murder of george floyd yeah right and obviously Mm -hmm. george floyd was not the first person black person murdered by cops it was drawing on all you know those terrible terrible stories but Mm -hmm. i think george floyd's murder was that flashpoint for a reckoning in a way that we couldn't downplay it or excuse it away or come up with any reason. I mean, nobody could justify that killing. And I think seeing that for real, you know, I never watched the video of the killing because I couldn't, but seeing Mm -hmm. the protests and the riots and seeing the police beating the protesters, I, I don't have any emotional energy to watch fake police beat fake protesters on a soundstage. And so I was watching this and I got a really bad feeling in the pit of my stomach and I got really anxious watching it. Mm -hmm. And then I cried and it's like, I can't, I can't watch this pretend for the enjoyment question mark or the art of it when we experienced it for real. For real. Yeah. And I think the lessons that the movie and presumably the book, which I also have not read, the lessons that it teaches, I think two years ago might have been more illuminating for me, but they are things that I learned last summer. Mm. And yeah. so again, that's not the movie's fault at it's, it's just like time. Of, right. But of time. Yeah, yeah, it really upset me to watch it. Well, yeah. So, ha ha, fun. <laughs> well, I think that was kind of the point. Like, it wasn't supposed to be the notebook. <laughs> right. Right. What right. are you talking about? <laughs> right. But I'm so sad in my regular life. I can't be yeah. sad yeah. watching yeah. the movies, you know? It is It is interesting to watch it now. Not that like we as four white people are like, oh, we're totally educated on white privilege and police brutality and we know yep, all, we got all it about all. it. We got it. We know. But I do I do think that it probably hit differently in, yeah, in, your, in 2018 where you're like, yep. you know, a lot of white people, I mean, not that that hadn't happened, but to see it really up close, we mm-hmm. would have been like, oh my God, this is so horrible. I did still find myself as a sort of, dumb white person uh, being like, why doesn't she just say I was there? I was the one that was there, you know, like mm-hmm. just it, like, you know, why doesn't she st- tell her stupid white friend that uh, Sabrina Carpenter, which there's other things about Sabrina Carpenter that I could say, <laughs> but why doesn't she just tell her like, fuck off. Like I was in the car with them. Like, how would you deal with that? Like, tell me exactly how you would deal with that. Like that is the white person in me just saying like, no. And then, 
that was the sort of more impactful thing as I was getting really frustrated over the movie of how much they were protecting her um, and how she was supposed to go back to just like going to school and, you know, like living her normal life and like still studying and all of that. And I was like, I don't understand that. Just like pull her out and say like she needs psychological help. You know, she witnessed a murder and blah, blah, blah. And that was the thing that was the most impactful. It's like, oh, God, you have no idea. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like you, you couldn't just do that. And I, I also got frustrated with the her dad's, and we'll come back to him, her dad's refusal to move the family out of the neighborhood yeah. once their lives started being threatened by the King. gang lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like seeing Anthony Mackie play an evil character, by the right? way. Now, that is not good. It was very like confusing to me. I was like, I don't understand this. Uh-huh. He's a good person. And, and I understand the point is like, this is our neighborhood. This is our home. We want to live here. We want to stand for our values. We won't be driven out by whatever forces. But that's all very nice when somebody is not actively threatening to kill you who yeah. you know will go through with it. I agreed with her mom. I would have been out of there in 10 minutes. Yeah. Let's peace out. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's complicated. And yep. Um, and also, okay, when she went to do the interview at the TV station where, you know, she talked about being a witness, one of the points the movie makes is the um, villainization of the victim and how they were more interested in talking about his alleged drug, drug dealing and, and yeah. you know, whatever scrapes he gotten, you know, uh, let's, let's find an excuse for why this, it was justified to kill this black person. Right. I don't understand why she had to answer any of that. I don't understand why she didn't just say, I never saw him take drugs. I never saw him sell drugs. I never saw him buy drugs. He was my friend. As far as I knew, he didn't have anything to do with that. I don't have anything to say about that. Instead of getting sort of drawn into this thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Well, Some it of that happens and she's like 15. So yeah. I could see like you get defensive, right? Sure. If your friend is murdered in front of you. And then all they want to talk about is he's probably a drug dealer. Like. Some of that plays into the other side of this plot, which is I, I thought it was a, a good movie overall, but I did have some issues with this sort of flatness of some of the characters and the the dueling plots of of King the and, the police shooting yeah. and the gang violence because mm-hmm. at the end of the day when I don't think it's much of a spoiler alert in real life or in this movie to say the cop gets off yep and I mean, the cop doesn't get off he doesn't even get charged yeah. right yeah. right uh but the end of the movie ends up uh, uh really uh having its high moment at uh a black on black violence moment yeah yeah that was and, the, yeah. I thought that was really unfortunate. Um, you know, if this was a if this was a true story being told, then if that's what happened, that's what happened. But the the way that that sort of um, a, a true story with black on black violence, where doing the right thing and then letting the criminal justice system work as we all wish it did, wherein the bad guy gets arrested, mm-hmm. uh, that it's sort of. Um, it, it sort of backed into a corner of, well, if, if everybody behaved right, then this would be fine. Yeah, <laughs> and right. it's, it sort of made me a little uncomfortable with, with stepping away from the, um, the cross racial issues that we have in 
in our society. Like it, it just sort of, it gave a little too much credence to no, this, this could all work. Okay. If it was just a little different and it, I don't know, I, I it, most of the movie's fine, but there were a couple of moments like that where like the, the bad black man's always the bad black man. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, yeah. the good black man is the man who is, reformed and saved and is going to teach his family how to be that same way because of the family unit. Um, uh, yeah, I did find that if we want to call it the denouement to be a little bit pat because like you said, well, the bad black man got arrested and guess what? Everybody testified and he went to jail and everything was much safer and all the kids are riding their bikes in the street and we're standing out on the porch. And I'm like, I, I don't, for a movie that was so rooted in realism, that yeah, seems that was, a, like a very... That, Fantastical that was the weirdest ending. part of it because the part where she's standing up on the car during the protest, that part was really moving because she's finding her voice and, you know, despite the police like kind of coming in on them and throwing, you know, tear gas, it was, it was, she was so brave. And then at the end, that was the only part at the end where she just said, and everything was fine. And you're like, but was it like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it did seem like, and I understand it's a movie and you kind of have to like, and it is a it is not an indie movie. It's a widely released movie, so you have to sort of wrap it up um, a little bit with a bow. But um, but yeah, that was the only part that didn't ring really true to me because I did I I was really moved by you know her him talking to the kids in the very beginning and telling them how to react when they're with a cop. You know, when a cop pulls them over or pulls him over, what they do. Mm-hmm. That is so. It's like. That kind of stuff is the, the discussion I'll never have to have with Rory, you know, mm-hmm. or Bridget. But, like, I'm I'm never going to have to have those, and that's really moving to me. I did, not like I didn't care about, you know, the king part, but that was sort of like a, I don't know. I thought in a movie they maybe could have cut that and focused a little bit more on the actual, like, police brutality right. portion. And obviously they're trying to mm-hmm. show the complexity of yeah. the problem where... Yeah, like, who's the bad guy? Like, there's yeah. two bad guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But also... And... and, and, and poverty leads to the violence and and all of that um so it's kind of realistic but i agree it did kind of muddy things quite a bit for the storytelling well and at the end like yeah he got put into jail but they didn't talk about the systems that there's going to be another one yes yeah Mm -hmm. there's going to be another guy i mean because when she's talking about why he had to deal drugs that right. doesn't go away. No, That's exactly. still there. Exactly. Right. Well, because they do have a really good conversation about, like, they keep you down, they keep you down, mm-hmm. and then they get mad at you when the only way that you can make money, a lot of money, and compete in the capitalism is by doing this, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was I don't know, I, I, I felt like it was a, a plot point that kind of was resolved a little bit too neatly. Mm-hmm. But but the performances are really good. I really like Regina Hall a lot. I don't. I so feel like good. she's like a really compelling mm-hmm. character. And I, I love much. Russell Hornsby. Yes. Yeah. He's I thought he great. was really surprisingly sexy as her dad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and oh he's my very gosh. good. He's a complicated character that is interesting to me. Like it is. He's not just pure like villainy or pure hero like he is a good person who's made mistakes mm-hmm. and when when Regina Hall kind of talks about that more about like infidelity or whatever where you have to decide if somebody's mistakes like you love them enough to you know get over it basically mm-hmm. and he's and he played that really 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 well you knew he was a loving father but also like he means fucking business yeah <laughs> when yep. he, he, I don't think I've ever seen anything sexier than when he makes the kids do the 
recite the 10 point program from the black Panthers. <laughs> yes. like, oh my god <laughs> and i'm also like you're a really good dad because if i ask my yes. kids anything they're like i don't know yeah <laughs> like know. can we have a screen <laughs> yeah i i watched him for on grim for years where he was the black sidekick to the hero yeah. right and uh he I'm sure that was a very good job and a great paycheck, but he didn't have the opportunity to put in a performance like he put in on this movie. Yeah. Yep. Also should have been nominated for yeah. something. Yeah. No, At least does. a Golden Globe. Throw yeah, come on. Throw Golden, Golden Globe. Globe. <laughs> Everyone gets those. If Emily in Paris gets them, she should. Um, anyway, it was good. I'm, glad I, I'm glad I got to watch it because it was, I mean, I do want to read the book, but it was, it was yeah. something that I've been meaning to watch. So I was glad I was able Angie- to. Angie Thomas is the is the author, and mm-hmm. all of her books are amazing. Cool, I highly recommend them. Okay, Bobby, take us home. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have a deep discussion. Yeah. Uh, well, time for the movie that won the Oscar for best movie ever made. <laughs> no wait, that's Highlander. That's Highlander. <laughs> Uh, we back up just a few years to the mid 2000s, uh, 2000 aughts, 2006, I think, for Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Um, I I chose this movie not just so that we could have a little light romp mixed in with all these other movies. Um, I, I think we're almost at two hours here, so I'm not going to go on forever indefinitely about uh, how much I love Adam McKay and all the good work I think he's doing and um, how telling some of his... Um, satire comedies are but um he's so versatile too because he's also doing succession which is very opposite of talladega nights (laughs) so this is of course uh, will Will ferrell (laughs) (laughs) it is and it isn't i think that's that this is will ferrell playing ricky bobby the race car driver who has a crisis uh a career and life crisis uh where he he forgets how to drive fast after learning how to drive fast (laughs) Uh, it's got John C. Riley as his as his number two buddy, best friend, co-driver, and Sasha Baron Cohen as the the French Formula One <laughs> driver who comes to so <laughs> compete against him. Uh, I ch- I chose this movie one because I think NASCAR is indicative of the Carolinas. Yeah, uh, and it really speaks to that. Uh, and, and also, I think uh, this movie coming out in 2006 and Will Ferrell essentially doing his George W. Bush impression <laughs> as a NASCAR driver really speaks so much to that time. But I was going to say, this is such a mid-aughts movie. Like, yeah. it is, mm-hmm. yeah. But, you know, I think we don't need to get in the plot of it. And I think most people have either seen it or will never watch it. But I, I'm curious, and I'll ask in a moment here, because I know at least one of you was hesitant to watch it again. Um, or, or watch it for the first time or, or watch any scene that wasn't the table blessing. Um, there's a lot of commentary layered in here. The first is that NASCAR was excited about the making of this movie because, you know, it's huge brand recognition for them. And it is a massive sport. I mean, just financially, yeah, it it's is. a massive sport in this country. But it, it played so well with people who love NASCAR because it was NASCAR. And it played so well with people who are sort of elitist and look down on NASCAR because it lampooned NASCAR. Yeah. And just the ability to walk that line and make a movie that both sides, you know, sort of very red and blue state America uh, can embrace uh, for their own reasons. Just really, um, really, I thought was a genius way to approach this. And I know that uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell did not know much about NASCAR when they made this movie, but they they wanted to do a sports movie and that that popped up for them as an option. Um, And it's sort of, you know, if Days of Thunder wasn't so damn serious about it itself. So, Anne, you were the one who... uh, 
vaguely remembered the table blessing, little baby Jesus prayer. <laughs> tiny, tiny baby Jesus. Tiny baby Jesus. Eight, eight pounds, six ounce Jesus. Um, and then you watched again. I'm curious what your impressions were as someone who watched this movie sort of as a homework assignment. Oh, no, I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> really? I refused. For the have first you time. ever seen it? I have seen it. Okay. I had a coworker maybe five years ago who decided that I needed to watch the Will Ferrell movies because uh, I said I don't like Will Ferrell movies. And he started me off with old school, which I argue is not, I mean, he's not top build. He's sort of. The, oh, yeah. He's a co-star yeah. in that. Yeah. That's yeah. a Luke Wilson. Right. Yeah. Vince Vaughn movie with Will Ferrell in it. Then he had me watch Stranger Than Fiction, which I loved. And again, I will argue that it's not a Will Ferrell movie. That is a movie that Will Ferrell stars in. And then he had me watch Old School, and I hated it. Hated it so much that I stopped watching any other Will Ferrell movies. I said, this experiment is over. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. I hated it. And it's the thing is... I like Will Ferrell a lot. I think he's great. I think he's very talented. I hate his aggressively boorish man-boy character. I think it works wonderfully in a four-minute sketch from SNL. And I think in a 90-minute movie, it just makes me want to stab myself in the neck with a fork. (laughs) So I did not rewatch it. But I am here with open arms to hear what everybody else has to say about it. Um, I, I would argue that he learns and grows. I think this is actually a coming of age story for his character, despite the fact that coming he's a grown adult. Coming of age adult. as a forty year old. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but I, you know, I think he has a he has a, a he goes through a lot that actually matures him quite a bit in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember, I my bar is real high on this because I am one of the only people in the world that hated Elf. Where he plays essentially the same character. Well, right, and frankly. I actually also hated Elf, so that made two. Oh, okay, of us. well, yeah. okay, y'all. Uh, I I also really enjoy the critique on commercialism in yes. sports, and that oh, gray scene sure. is not an accident. I mean, he even jokes about being contractually obligated to mention Powerade in the prayer. His prayer. <laughs> but when you scan the table, and it's the Domino's pizzas and the Taco mm-hmm. Bell and the Coke bottles and everything yeah. else, and then you know it's the it's the um, it life embodiment of an NASCAR, like the actual car itself, covered in all those stickers. And then mm-hmm. when he comes back and has no sponsors, so the car just says "Me." Me. On it right. <laughs> so, I, so I, were these brands in on the joke for this movie? Oh yeah, they had to There's, and there's literally to be. an Applebee's commercial. In the in, middle in of the a scene, <laughs> like, right. like they, like they just don't care that it's a satire, right? Because well, they're so they're in there. In there. Yeah, right. I mean, they paid to have their products in there. I'm <laughs> right. sure. I uh, laughed every single time you saw the, the what's his face is Perrier on the side. Of his yep. car. I was like, it's so stupid. Jean Girard's car, yeah, the Perrier <laughs> yeah. car. I um, love Leslie Bibb so much. I know she's great. as the yeah. wife. Oh, she's so terrible, and her extensions were so bad so on bad. purpose. I, know. <laughs> I saw that too in the back. You just see this line, and I'm like, I love that they were like, we're not even going to try. Like, I think I like did see uh, Adam McKay at some point did say, in hindsight, if he had made this movie later, he would have given her a better moment of reflection because she really does play such a flat character, uh, like a terrible, yeah. terrible person. Yeah. I um. It was funny because when I was watching it, I was like, oh, whatever. Like, you know, I've seen this so long ago. I'm just going to watch it. There were a couple of times that I did like LOL. Um, and I'm not really one for physical comedy. doesn't really like, super do it for me. But when he's, when he's driving 
the pizza truck or whatever and he like basically backs into somebody and the cop pulls him over and is like you know dude and then he runs over the cop I like laughed so hard it's so stupid he's like I'm really sorry about that (laughs) so dumb yep Uh, no it did I mean it's a little and it was not even long it's I would say you know they could have cut out like it could have been an hour and a half. And sure. For me, that would have been um, ideal time. Um, but whatever. It's I, it's it is so stupid that I just was like, uh, I'm just gonna kind of sit back and enjoy it because yep. it's so dumb. Uh, it is stupid. It was absolutely stupid. But I was impressed with you know for 2006, uh, uh, sort of. Um, they address homophobia head on. I know. I do like they're like it. Yeah. <laughs> gay. If they're gay. <laughs> you can't be and, gay here. And, and at the end, you've got people on both sides of the spectrum watching this movie applauding Will Ferrell and, and Sasha Baron Cohen kissing. <laughs> like, it's stupid. This is a stupid movie. I, I definitely, you know, acknowledge that. But I think there's actually a lot of, um, there's a lot of biting things. The the money that the team owner is inviting into the suite is from Halliburton and, um, oh, God, yeah. what's the other company? Another one of those Blackie. terrible... Dynacorp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like just stuff like that is layered in here. And it just always makes me laugh. It's just one of those movies that if it's on, I want to watch because yeah. the, the Amy Adams character is insufferable and and could have been but written a lot better. She's nerdy because she has glasses. I know. Right. She's oh, like, yeah. she's ugly. <laughs> this this <laughs> one takes a tropes per minute run at the notebook, the Amy yeah. Adams. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I think definitely 2006 man writing women. Yeah. For yes. sure. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it was a it was a silly romp, but uh, you know, uh, it was a good um, after the hate you give. It was a good, it was a yeah, kind of a, a good nice cal- calm down. Cal- cal- uh, and Gary Cole uh, making another appearance on our road trip, yeah. and uh, he's just so, he's stalking so us a little good. bit. Yeah. I feel like there are low key people that are super rich that aren't super famous, and I think that Gary Cole is one of them because he has been an enduring actor for like my whole lifetime. What about his net worth is? I know. It's like a very cool <laughs> net worth. I'm looking right now. It's, uh, do you, any guesses? Well, I'm looking, so I won't. I won't say. No, this is. That's really not a, enough. Right? That's not very much. Four that million. can't be right. Four? It no. Maybe he's I got refuse. it sheltered well. <laughs> Are you yeah. saying that celebritynetworth.com might not be accurate? <laughs> or he got burned in the in a Bernie Madoff um, scandal or something. That's not uh, very right. much money. Kevin Bacon did. And Dave and I always, Kevin and Bacon and Kira Sedgwick uh, yeah. got burned in Bernie Madoff. And oh. I feel like sometimes they would work in most random things. And I'm like, oh, they're trying to earn money back. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm going to go to wealthypersons.com <laughs> and see what they say. Well, yeah. you do that. I'm going to push this to the question of the week because we're really running long now. <laughs> no. Well, this one says $5 million, So oh, oh, good. <laughs> so It was after his last voiceover I don't role. even think. I mean, I think he got more than that playing in Veep. Yeah. Like he had to have. Yeah. Come on, that Gary. West Wing, that West Wing money, mm-hmm. the the residuals. The uh, what movie makes you think of the Carolinas or Georgia? Remember that we're saving Florida as its own animal because I'm yes. going to try to figure out which which episodes of Burn Notice technically counted as a TV movie. <laughs> oh, I've watched a few episodes of Burn Notice myself. Oh, it's Dave delightful. Loves Burn it's delightful how bad that show is. I watched it years and years ago when it was coming. The only out. reason I know about it is they made fun of it on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. What is Burn Notice? What it's is Burn Notice? Yeah. And they all try to guess. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, so yeah, bring us your uh, what question of the week. Bring us your Carolina George. Obviously, there are so many, and we and our our spread. You know, we covered four very different movies and still didn't even mm-hmm. begin to do. Real quick, my favorite, my other favorite Carolina's movie is when I my roommate in college, Rachel, who's fantastic. She is from um, Columbia, South Carolina. I went to visit her, and then we went to Myrtle Beach. And on in 1998, on sitting on the beach at night. I explained to her the entire plot of Contact over the course of like an hour and a half. <laughs> Could be a bonus episode. So that is my favorite movie uh, set in the Carolinas. Well, I almost picked The Prince of Tides, so oh, oh, yeah. good you one. can consider I, that bullet dodge. I almost picked um, in, the min- in the Garden of Good and Evil, yeah. Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Um, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is a DVD that's currently sitting in a box of DVDs labeled free in the lobby of my apartment building. <laughs> if you it's, haven't seen it, I would watch it. It it made me want to visit Savannah for sure. Yeah. That oh, box has I been there for it, weeks. I thought it was Louisiana. I thought it was New Orleans. So No, yeah. I think it's Savannah. Hmm. It's slowly hmm. been... Um, people are taking like one or two DVDs at a time. There's <laughs> still was... like 25 or 30 left, mm-hmm. including like so, random seasons of Friends. Um <laughs> It's it's somebody's like 2000 to 2012 like collection. It's it's uh yeah, but I think I saw that in, that one in there. I should take a picture of all the DVDs on that list and we should just use mm-hmm. those as a travel week. We should just travel <laughs> to my lobby. You know, no. on second thought, I don't think I want to see Kevin Spacey acting creepy or something. Know. Yeah. I mean, that's why I eventually didn't do it. Yeah. That's probably a good call. Yeah. All, all right. right. Tishi recommends you- Christy. <laughs> Ooh, that's me. Um, I recommend the Netflix movie that just came out this week called Moxie. Um, Just a quick rundown. It's Amy Poehler plays a mom who was a really rad riot girl in the 90s. And her daughter discovers that her school is highly sexist and the boys are disgusting. And she decides to take a page from her mom's book and make a zine and get all the girls at school excited about it and the music is great and i felt really old because <laughs> i was also a right girl in the 90s and now i'm a mom like <laughs> wait, wait. yeah you're still a right girl yeah. um i'm just giving an anti recommendation yeah i You'll also get- have this anti. <laughs> you will get sucked into this movie but do not or this tv show but do not watch it it's called jenny and georgia it is i watched the whole so thing bad. it is so bad but I would like to discuss it if anybody's watched it. But it is really bad. Don't don't yeah. don't waste your time. I can't. I was just gonna say I can't tell if it wants to be Euphoria or um, Heart of Dixie. It's <laughs> all of those things and like Degrassi. It's yeah. like all of these things, which like kind of you think I would enjoy, but it is no, very confusing. It hurts my brain. But Jason Street's in it. Like I I, know, he's I just keep I pulling back. Yeah, I know. A lot of eyebrow acting. It's, oh, it's, yes. Yeah, it's a lot. And Ew. just eyebrows. The I mean, the mom. Like, I mean, wow. Wait, eyebrow. what? Is Peter Gallagher? Is this a Peter Gallagher <laughs> alert? <laughs> you know, he probably would fit in in this movie. But no, her eyebrows are... What is that called when people do that eyebrow thing? I mean, tenting? I don't know. They, no, were they draw it on? No. Oh. The new yeah, yeah, Microblading? Microblading. Yeah. Ooh. Yes. 
Yes. Wow. All right. Wow. So that's that's your commentary on a show we're asking you not to watch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our shameless Amazon plug this week is the Ken Burns Jazz 10 DVD set, which I wanted to get Meredith as a wedding present, and she rejected me out of hand. <laughs> I mean, you should have just got it for it. It's rude to reject a present after you've gotten it. Here's the thing about Ken Burns DVD, uh, Ken Burns documentaries. Every section of one I've watched has been great. I just haven't had literally 19 hours to dedicate to the yeah. 10 DVD set of Kimberns Jazz. But uh, as you know, a uh, music director who I, I work with suffered a, a pretty terrible stroke last year and he's still recovering. And um, he just sort of uh, needs more and more content to consume. It's it's like the, uh, I have time now from the Twilight Zone. Like he's got time now. He's got all these things he never had the time to watch or do. And now he has time. And so I figured he he will enjoy this very much. And he's the only person I know who has 19 hours <laughs> to watch it. So uh, I got it for him. And I'm sure it's great. I will never watch it all. But I gave it to him. And uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll greatly enjoy it. And it's usually $100 for the 10 DVD stuff. And it's like $45 on Amazon right now. So if you're looking for an innings eater of good content, then go get yourself the Ken Burns Jazz documentary. Mm. Ken Burns is great, but it always just feels like homework watching it. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, and then you're like, I have a lot of information about the Vietnam War. Would you like to hear it now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah, exactly. Prohibition or Prohibition. baseball. or. <laughs> yeah. I think the benefit of the jazz one over, say, like the baseball one or the national parks is that the jazz one has a lot of performances you can intercut into it. So that's, you know, there's a lot more music facilitation in there, mm-hmm. which is Fewer helpful. letters home, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> my, much less <laughs> my dearest Martha. <laughs> Letters. Man, this is our letters episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Chris, you want to housekeep since you're the okay, lady? Okay, I do. Um, since I'm what? The lady. Oh, I, th- right. <laughs> I thought you said because I'm blading, like microblading. <laughs> I'm a little stuck on the eyebrows. So I, I don't right. know how riot girls do as housekeepers. but Right, exactly. Um, so housekeeping, buy some stuff from us at theshowhaseverything.com and click the shop button and rate and review us and we'll read them, especially if they're funny. And then add an Amazon link to your phone screen. So when you um, need to buy something from Amazon, you can buy it from us. Yes, and get involved as well. The website is theshowhaseverything.com. You can also use throwyourphone.com. Um, join the Facebook group. It is really fun, as we always say, but it is truly, I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, the show Twitter, which is never updated, but someday, fingers crossed. It's never it's updated at- because it's evergreen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> at Tishi Show. You can email us at tishi at 10710.com, and you can send us a voice memo there, which we love, and it's been a few weeks, so come on, y'all. I want to hear your voices. You you can do an accent just like mine. I can teach you. <laughs> Let's hear it. Send it in. That's um, another bonus episode. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's like my master class. <laughs> I mean, it could be any accent, really. Yes. I have some comments <laughs> for your performance. <laughs> okay, Fax Bobby, your butt at 617-354-8513. Thanks for joining us, y'all. And that was everything. Got a box full of letters Thinking my like to read Some things that you might like to see But they're all addressed to me 
wish I had a lot of answers Cause that's the way it should be But all these questions Being directed at me I just can't find the time To write my mind The way I want it to read You'll come back again Separate stack Some things that I might like to hear But I guess I'll give them back I wish I had a lot of answers that's the way it should be For all these questions Being directed at me Just can't find the time To write my mind away Um, what order should we should Ooh, we do it in the order? Good we, thought. Maybe we do intense fun. Yeah, intense fun or something. Yeah, that's, in, yeah. intense romantic intense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> horny romantic intense. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, horny. That's good. Intense, horny, <laughs> intense, goofy. So sort of horny, goofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 